Good day everyone, uh, good evening or good morning or good rising. Uh, thank you all for joining us, vlog 17. Today is Sunday the 27th of October. Thank you for joining us once again. We are super excited and very honoured to be in your company. Um, uh, once again, we recognise everyone who's listening in. Um, from whatever background you're in or whatever realm or dimension you're in, thank you and welcome. Um, I feel like I almost need to open these sessions with a disclaimer, uh, given what's happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, I won't go into any details. I'll just leave it at that. But I just want to make it very, very clear that uh, this panel, this group, we are uh, a very open-minded very inclusive panel. Um, even the three of us, the three panelists that are normally um, openly engaged on these chats, we don't always agree on everything. Sometimes we see things from different perspectives and we respect that from one another. Um, so what we try and discourage is people coming into the space and wanting to create division or wanting everyone to see things their way or forcing their ideas on others. We are not at all about that. We are a think tank. We're here to think and reason and try and establish some, some kind of um, cohesive truth uh, in as much as we can. You know, uh, for me, certainly my motto is we're here to experience or my meaning of life, we're here to experience. Uh, from that experience, we are learning. From that learning, we share what we learn. From that experience, learning and sharing, we grow. And uh, the ultimate goal is to move on to a new paradigm of experience, learning and growth. So no one in this group knows everything. I am not the leader of anything. I do not have the answers to everything. Neither do I want to be, <laughs> right? I enjoy the learning process. Um, I simply share my perspective from what I've learned and what I've experienced and what I've received. And um, I try and learn as much as I can from other people. So that is my disclaimer before we go anywhere. Now that that's out of the way, um, welcome Robin and welcome Pete. Hey Martin, it's good to be here as always. Thanks a lot for having me. Yep, thanks for having me as well. Oh, awesome, awesome. You're welcome guys. Um, so. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail about too many things, but uh, last week's show that we had, um, I obviously posted that with all that drama that went on, which we're not going to revisit. That is done with. It is finished. Um, we've moved on. Uh, but what I did want to highlight is um, I'm, I was so humbled. I really was so humbled and so grateful and so, so thankful for 
the group of souls that we have attracted on this channel. You know, when I started doing videos, there were two things that I was very, very clear about. The first thing is I was very aware of the ego trap. I knew that if I start a channel and um, it makes any sort of impact, um, a lot of people would resonate. If a lot of people did resonate with me, I wanted to protect myself from my own ego. Okay. And a big part of that was I didn't want to say things that people wanted to hear. That's the first, first thing. I was not interested in money, which is why I didn't monetize anything for a long, long, long time. Because I knew once money is involved, priorities change and things get murky, et cetera, et cetera. But also I had never, I've never had the intention of having a big channel with millions and millions of subscribers, or even hundreds of thousands of subscribers. I've always said I want a small group of people who are, uh, who are closely knit and resonating with what I'm saying. I'd rather have a small family, but we're a close family and we're on the same journey. Then I have a big channel with thousands and thousands of people on there and there's just a lot of noise and waffle happening. So I'm so humbled, you know, when I see the comments that were posted after last week's video, all the positive reactions, but more importantly, the people who were echoing what we've been saying in their own words. I was really humbled and it shows that genuinely people aren't just following me, which is what I don't want. I'm not a leader. I don't want people following me. I don't want followers. I want people that I can walk with. And I really got that sense of feeling from the comments and the response that, you know, a lot of the people that are on this channel or following this channel are walking with us. They're not following what we're saying. They are walking with what we are saying. They're on the same level. We are on an equal playing field. Um, no one is higher than anyone. We're all sort of learning from each other. We're all caught up within the same space. So I just want to say thank you so much, um, everyone who subscribed to this channel, everyone who's walking this journey with us. I really appreciate walking with you and learning from you in different ways. And thank you as well for, for supporting us in what we're trying to achieve um, on these devices or on this platform and possibly in physical form as well with this mystery school that we're setting up, which I will release information about when the time's appropriate. So yeah, I wanted to open with that. Having said that, there were two particular comments that I wanted to highlight. Um, I won't read them all because some of them are quite long. One was from um, someone called Little Bird. Um, she left a, uh, a comment um, under last week's video on the YouTube um, release. And uh, it was just absolutely spot on. And I thought it was apt and it just summed everything up. And another guy called Mason Ryder Kaplan. Uh, it's a really long thread. And he pretty much echoed what we've been trying to say on this channel, but from his own perspective, with his own understanding. And I was just, my heart melted as I was reading it because it was just like, wow, exactly, he gets it. And it shows me that everyone who's on this channel, pretty much, well, not everyone, but most, most of you listening probably um, are definitely on the same frequency. So that's encouraging. But uh, please go check those two comments out if you haven't seen them. Mason, Ryder, Kaplan, and Little Bird, and all the other comments as well. Of course, I deleted all the trolls. There were a load of troll comments and negative comments, but those were all deleted because we don't encourage any sort of drama. There's no need for that. We move forward. Um, carrying on from there, 
Um, I just want to share something really, really quickly. Um, a little rendering that uh, Pete's done for me. I've asked Pete to put a rendering up. Pete, if you can just screen share that for me. And I sort of want to sum up what, uh, what I was trying to say yesterday through visuals. I know visuals are good aids to get a point across. Right. Can everyone see that? Yes. Okay, can you see that, Robin? Yes, Martin, I can, looks good, yep. Awesome, awesome. So, I'm not gonna go too long because I wanna give everyone a chance to chime in before I, um, I go, or oh, does anyone wanna say anything before I start, Robin, Pete, do you guys wanna add to what I've just said, actually? Sorry. No, not at all, Martin, thanks a lot. Okay, so, I'm just gonna go over this one more time. I've tried to simplify it as much as I could through this uh, diagram of what I've been saying, because there were a couple of comments that were still like a little bit confused about what you're saying, Martin. You seem to be all over the place. What exactly are you trying to say? So the picture wasn't as clear maybe from the words that I was using. So I've decided to use pictographs, <laughs> okay, imagery. So this is the image that best describes what I've been trying to say for quite a while. Um, Christine, is your mic on? Please just mute oh, let it. Me... Just a minute. Okay. So, in layman's terms, my perspective, I repeat, my perspective of how I see this whole game, um, I've always said that I think, and not just me, I think a lot of the sages of past have said that life is a school, and I think we generally agree on that in this, in this group that we're here to learn. This is a school, this is a playing field. We're here acting out different roles. This is why we're all different characters, right? And of course, everything within this paradigm, within this world is, um, even though it's in the matrix, for instance, the school system, the education system is actually built on the fundamental basics of universal truth, okay? So all the inorganic, um, overlays of this matrix are built on the foundation of, of actual truth. And then they just overlaid with inorganic uh, renderings, if you like, or, 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 or scenarios. So I've used the school system to illustrate the point that I've been trying to hammer forward or trying to, uh, uh, to propose, I suppose. Um, Earth is a school. And like any school, I want you to imagine you're in a school and this school has got um, grades that begin from kindergarten or preschool right up to university, all within the same grounds, or within the same property. Okay, so this is one massive school. And the youngest student in this school is three years old, a preschooler, and the oldest student is 24, 25, whatever it is, whatever age it is, you, you finish university, okay? This earth is exactly akin to that. We are in this massive school. And within this massive school, there are definitely four groups or four tiers of souls consciously, okay? And these four tiers of souls fall into these four categories, preschoolers, primary schoolers, high schoolers, and those at university level. Now this can also be mirrored with the seasons, right? Winter, summer, autumn, spring. It can also be mirrored with the, with, the, with the ages, you know, the golden age, the silver age, the bronze age, the iron age. It's the same concept. All of this is based on one 
single universal truth, okay? So consciously, here on earth, all of us fall into one of these four schools of thought. All of us. Some of us at preschool level, consciously, we're young souls, super young souls. Some are at primary school level, okay? Some are at high school level, and some are at university level about to leave the school. Of course, those at preschool level, I've syncretized this with uh, those four elements I was talking about, experience, learning, sharing, and growth. If you're preschool, you're here to experience. You're a young soul. All you want to do is experience life. That is your sole purpose, to experience, okay? These are the young souls. Just like a toddler in preschool, you know, that toddler is not really a preschool to learn. They're just exploring the world. That's all they want to do. That is where their level of consciousness is. A primary schooler, when you get to primary school, you start learning. This is when you begin your actual learning process. So those who are consciously at stage two are that process of starting to learn and explore um, um, the world with a bit more depth rather than just experiencing it. They're trying to better um, understand the world. These are the people trying to understand what is going on. Those who are in the high school tier, in the next level, okay, it's not about a hierarchy. It's just uh, a natural flow, an ebb and flow of energy. I'm going to just put that disclaimer in there, just in case people think I'm promoting hierarchy, that others are more special than others. No, I'm not saying that. Those who are in high school are at the sharing stage. Right? These are the people who are now saying, I think I know enough to now start sharing what I know, to now start maybe teaching, to now start maybe being a bit more responsible for my actions. These are the people who start actioning what they learned in primary school. So this awakening, those who have now awakened are now in the high school stage. Those in primary school and preschool are those that are still asleep. They are might, what we might call, dare I say it, NPCs. They're still in that NPC mode. They're non-player characters. They're not yet in control of their actions. They're in preschool, certainly in preschool. In primary school, they're starting to try and understand how to take control, but they're asking loads of questions, but not actioning it. Once they get to the high school level of sharing, this is when you start taking action. This is when you start researching. This is when you start becoming, you know, uh, you're looking at diet and health, right? How can I improve my diet? How can I start actioning what I've learned in primary school? Okay. And then of course you've got the universities. Those are the ones that are now at the growth stage. These are the ones that are saying, right, I'm now beyond just the sharing, beyond just the actioning. I'm now trying to basically finish off what I'm meant to be finishing off in this round before I can move on. I'm now outgrowing school. I'm now becoming an adult. Um, I've done all the stages. I'm ready to move on. So this is how it explains the difference in all the levels of consciousness that are currently in existence uh, within our paradigm. Now, within each of those schools of thought or classes, um, this is where you have the positives, the negatives, and the neutrals within each spectrum, as you can see in that diagram over there. So within the preschool stage, not everyone's the same. Once again, within that class, you are going to have some, um, some souls who are negative, you know, the badly behaved ones. You're going to preschool, you, you see this, you see that child who's always screaming, throwing tantrums, who's always just misbehaving. You know, that's an allegory of that negative soul within this paradigm. You've got the neutrals who are just going with the flow. And then, of course, you've got the positives 
who are a little bit more uh, mature, I suppose, within that preschool school of thought. And of course, that echoes or ripples within the different tiers. So of course, primary school, you've also got your positives, your negatives, and your neutrals. Same in high school, same university. And this explains, so I'm gonna talk about the university stage because uh, this applies to many of you who are listening to this. I think a lot of you are now at that university stage within this um, group of people, uh, certainly you know, on this channel. Um, you've got your positives, you've got your negatives, and you've got your neutrals at university stage. So there are many people that you find who seem to be well-versed in spiritual matters. You speak to them, they understand spirituality, they understand these concepts, they've got depth to uh, depth of perception and knowledge, but their behavior does not mirror the knowledge. And you wonder, well, why? You know all this stuff, but why are you behaving this way? Why is your behavior irrational? It's not matching your knowledge, your gnosis, or what appears to be your, your level of consciousness. And this is because they are not following, um, well, not they're not following, but they are in a negative state within that higher state of consciousness, within that university tier of consciousness. They're operating in a negative polarity. And then you'll find some who are neutrals within that spiritual realm. They're not particularly active, they're not particularly doing much, but they totally get everything you're talking about. They say, I get it, but I don't feel I need to do anything. I don't need to do anything. I'm just going to be, I'm gonna observe what's happening. So you hear a lot of people saying, oh, you know, I get all you're saying, Martin, it's all spirituality and it's great, but we shouldn't do anything. Let's not react. Don't be positive, don't be negative, just observe. Right, we've had a few people come on this channel um, saying that, I'm sure you, <laughs> You've met people like that. Just observe. Don't react. Don't be positive. Don't be neutral. They are in a neutral state within that state of consciousness. They're just going with the flow. Okay? They're not one way or the other. And then on the other spectrum, within that university state, they're the positives. Those who are saying, I now understand where I am. Right? And now that I understand where I am, um, I'm taking action. I'm doing certain things to um, positively charge the ebb and flow of my journey and those around me. They have a positive message to share. They are doing positive things. They are, uh, uh, um, yeah, they've got positive energy, okay? They're active positively, opposed to those who are active negatively and opposed to those who are not active, who are completely inactive, just observing. None of these are right or wrong. No one is any more special. Everything has got a place. Everything has got a system. There's an ebb and flow to everything. We need the negatives. We need the positives. We need the neutrals. This is how this energy system works. It has to be sustained by those three elements of, of, um, of polarity, if you like. If that didn't exist, then this paradigm wouldn't, wouldn't work the way it does. So again, it's not about saying the positive universities are more special than the negatives. Absolutely not. Everything has a place and everything has a reason. And all you've got to do, what I've been saying is, hopefully this visual will help you visualize where you are. Honestly, look at yourself in the mirror and say, where in this graph do I fit in? Right? That is knowing thyself and being able to say, I think I'm at the high school level. Right? You should be able to say, look, I'm not at the university level. I'm at the high school level. 
I'm at that level of sharing. I'm still exploring. I, I've no intention of leaving school just yet. I want to be around for quite a while, but I, I want to be a positive impact in that high school level. Okay. In my next incarnation, I might come back as a uni at university level. Okay. So I think this is all about knowing thyself and knowing where you stand. If you're in primary school level, if you're honest, you'll be able to look at that and say, you know what? I'm still a primary level. I'm still trying to learn and figure this out. I don't understand half the things you people are talking about or half the things a lot of people talk about, but I'm interested. I want to learn. So this is where I am. So again, this is not about judgment. It is not about a hierarchy. It is not about saying them versus them. There's no, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a race. It's not any of those things. And if you are looking at this from that perspective, then you're in a negative state of polarity. And that's fine. That's fine. But what I'm saying is I'm not highlighting this to create any duality or polarity, but just to highlight and maybe put things into perspective just so that they make sense. So people say some people are soulless beings. They're not soulless. Hopefully this can show you that, no, this person's probably not soulless. They're probably a negative preschooler, okay? Or a neutral preschooler or a negative primary schooler. You should be able to do the astrology yourself. This is astrology. Astrology is essentially just psychology, really. This is what this is. This is what this graph I'm showing you is trying to illustrate. So hopefully this makes sense. Um, I will leave it at that. If you guys want to add anything, Robin and Pete, uh, if you want to discuss this further, we can discuss it further. If you want to share um, something different. Um, yeah, I just wanted to share this. Right, Robin, Pete. Pete? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I figured since I'm sharing the screen, I might as well jump in. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything that you just shared. I think my, as always, I always have like a slightly different take on it. And this is actually something I've been working on you know, all this past week. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and show a, a different diagram. It's probably a little bit more complicated than the, the one you're showing. But, and again, this is a work in progress. Um, but basically, I think a lot of it, you know, so I thinking about what we were shared last week and what we just discussed, this idea um, of each one of the ages having a potential polarity swing greater than, than the other age. Um, and I was trying to, you know, figure out how can I take those ideas and, and create a visual that is, you know, produces a coherent thought in, in that regard. Um, and this is what I came up with. And so let me actually get a little closer in this and so people can see it. Uh, basically, you know, what it comes down to is this idea of potentiality versus actuality. And I think that plays well with what you just, you know, talked about as, you know, positive, negative, neutral. I think the neutral is just, they're not taking action. You know, I think you, you, had, you had said that um, versus positives and negatives. You know, my take on positive and negativity, I think we've you've had people comment um, on this as well. I think it gets lost in, in, in the semantics of things like, you know, are you saying something's good or bad or positive or negative? Like how, how are these things actually being utilized? And the way I look at it, and I'm going to just kind of focus on this trajectory line is I think ultimately our goal is to bridge both the material and, um, and spiritual plane to come in that oneness it with both um, of those different aspects of our being. Um, but in each one of these ages, we have the potential to swing back and forth. And so 
what you're seeing here is, and I show them a little bit different down here, the Iron Age. I think the Iron Age allows for a, a complete swing. Um, and so there's such polarity swings. If you're, you know, getting fully material-based, which is down here as a, you know, plus, you're, you're equally getting negatively spiritually based because you're focusing on one aspect of your being as opposed to the other um, and vice versa. And because of the, the, we live in the Iron Age, you're seeing those such ridiculous swings going on versus the, you know, the Bronze Age, it's a little tighter. Um, Silver Age, even tighter. And then the, the Golden Age, I have, you know, real tight, a plus a negative one. And, I, you know, down here, I kind of explain that I use the Fibonacci in, in creating these wedges um, of one, one, two, three, which actually equals a sum total of seven. Um, so these first two age, the golden age and the silver age, you know, from the, the fields are, are one, um, segment each. Um, so the golden age plus and minus one, the silver age is, is plus and minus, um, two for a full range of four, um, uh, or two rather the, uh, the bronze age is, is, uh, has a full range of four. Um, and then the polarity is seven. So I don't know if I'm confusing things, but, um, this is the kind of the way I see it. And I see positive and negative being how on your, on your path are you? You know, if you're on, you know, completely on your life plan, your life path, um, you know, that's the most optimal path to be on, but often we get pulled one way or another due to the events that occur in our lives. Um, and so negative would be interpreted individually as away from your path and, you know, positive being toward your path. So they can be interpreted a little bit differently. Um, so I don't know if, if this is making sense to people, if I've, if I've complicated things accidentally, but. Uh, nope. No, it is absolutely spot on. Yes, absolutely spot on, Pete. All right, um, cool. You've pretty much just expounded on what I was trying to say, but you've just added complete depth to it. So yes, you're right. It did complement. I don't think, I don't think anything you've said goes against what I've been saying. I don't think there's any sort of conflict of, uh, of, um, of ideas there whatsoever. So I, I, I 100% agree with you. In fact, uh, it just reminded me of what I forgot to mention on my diagram that um, if you go back to my diagram really quick, sure. uh, mirroring what you've just said, um, again, right now, if preschool is the lowest level, we are all in preschool level right now, even though we're in the school, majority of people, that is what's called the, the, uh, the Iron Age. We're all in that Iron Age. So of course, most people who are on Earth today are at that preschool level or that Iron Age or where that pendulum, going back to your diagram, um, is showing that, uh, that big swing in, in duality that we're experiencing. So yeah, thank you so much, Pete. Fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And in regards to signs, you know, to, uh, not to jump ahead to maybe a later topic, but I look at sign, you know, we, we refer to a sign, a visual as S-I-G-N, um, but I think it's all referring to the sine waves. And I think that all a sign is giving us is giving us a choice. Do we move toward our life you know, path, our purpose, or do we move away? And so it, it's right in line with what we see with the sine wave um, as the ebb and flow of the energy. Uh, and another thought that I had actually this, this week, um, you know, I shared a little bit of, of the journaling that I've been taking over the last several years with, with everyone last week, but I went back and was reading a, a few other entries and then and, you know, other ideas always spur from you know, things I previously wrote as well. But um, 
had this idea of what if we're all, in fact, in the same cohort, if you will. In other words, when, when this game starts, like when the reset happens, we all enter as the same group. And, and that's when the game begins. And, and we're supposed to go through these you know, experiences and try to get out of this game as quickly as possible. But some of us get lost in, in, in the, you know, the temptations of the material plane. And, and when that happens, that's what starts to creating more and more challenges. And, and it's, what's interesting about that is, is you know, I have this kind of this top sentence, you know, potentially versus actuality. I think because of the Iron Age that gives you the, the potential for all those swings, but it doesn't mean that that has to happen, that it, it's the human consciousness that actual, actualizes it. And so I think this is where we discussed before, and there's some, you know, potential disagreements on, you know, could a potential, uh, you know, perceived golden age occur within the iron age? And there are some that say absolutely not. I'm kind of on the line of saying, I think it's possible. There's potential for that. But the, you know, it's not what we're seeing act being becoming actualized because of the lower consciousness, because people have sunk so deep into the material plane and have lost themselves in this game. But there's also this idea that, you know, we're all, we're, you know, this goes into the whole NPC thing, that we're all part of the same fractal of source consciousness. And we individuate within this game as personifications. We're all individual notes, but we're all part of the same orchestra. And it's our job to start bringing everyone into, harm, like, into harmony, into harmonics, into accordance. And right now, you know, there's a lot of discord happening. And so I just, it kind of, these are the things that I've been thinking about while creating this graph. Um, but yeah, I mean, get your guys' thoughts yeah. on that. Yeah, I mean, sorry, sorry, Robin, to, <laughs> to jump in again. I'm just going to say really quickly. Um, once again, I 100% agree with what you've just said. The only point that I would put, the only reason why I... For me, it makes no sense that there is the potential for us to go from iron straight into golden is because that is not the natural order of nature. There's nothing in nature that behaves that way. It's almost like saying, is it possible for us to go from winter and then wake up one day and it's summer without going through the phases of spring? I mean, it, it, it's just not the natural way of things. It's like saying, is it possible to be a child and then one day wake up as an adult? all of a sudden are there things you can do go from being three years old you go to bed you wake up one day and you're now a 21 year old it just doesn't happen that way um so i i strongly believe that the natural order there's a natural order to things uh, to everything and we as human beings are not excluded from that natural order or system of the universe so how plants behave how the weather behaves how the sun behaves how everything in nature behaves is exactly the same way as how consciousness behaves. Everything is symbiotic. So this is the only reason why I say, I think it is extremely unlikely. And if it did happen, it would complete, it would create a complete imbalance to the whole ecosystem of everything. So we yeah, have I mean, to go through the gradual shifts of, you know, if we're in the iron age, there has to be a shift slowly to the golden age um, in the same way that nature behaves. Yeah, no, I mean, there, like I said, there's a, there's a part of me that totally agrees with you, but there's um, another part that 
that questions whether that perception is a hundred percent accurate. And again, my, like I always share, and I think you shared in the beginning is this is an ever evolving, you know, perception. Mm. So at the current moment, the only reason I question that is because if you take a plant or a life form and you put it into optimal conditions, I mean, especially a plant, it has the potential to carry on its life forever. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, it's the, the lack of optimal conditions that causes it to, to wither and, and, and quote unquote die to go through those, you know, seasons of life. And my, you know, this goes into, I think I've shared in previous you know, episodes regarding Greg Braid and fractal time. Um, this idea that our consciousness is actually impacting the environment of the, the weather that when, because we're operating a lower vibration, our, our reality and the environment for which we experience this game is, is, you know, changing accordingly. And so point being is if, if we had you know, all raised our, our vibration, raised our consciousness to a higher level, would we then produce an environment that helps sustain life and, and, you know, inevitably like throughout, you know, through eternity, we, we suddenly have life forms that exist through, you know, hundreds and thousands of years. Like we, we hear about these in these in, uh, myths and legends. Is there the you know the possibility yeah. for that to occur? Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. I. I. Yeah. Yes. I would say yes. There is. I would say there is that possibility, one hundred percent. But what I would. I mean, there's a possibility of everything. But what yeah. I would say is the way this system is designed by the universe does not allow for that possibility to happen that way because it would. Um, it, it wouldn't. It would. It would hinder on the ebb and flow of the experience, of that we're having. We're here to go through these motions or these seasons of change. So by the time we come out the other end, we are well-seasoned. We're well-seasoned beings. We're well-seasoned conscious beings. When we get back to that oneness or that source, when we get to the golden ages, we can look back and say, wow, I've done it. I've got a sense of achievement. I didn't take shortcuts. I didn't jump the queue. I went through the motions and I learned everything I needed to learn. I went through from grade one, from nursery, all the way. I went through all the different classes up to where I am. And there's a sense of achievement in that. And we've all done that. We've all done things. And you look back and say, I'm glad I learned. I'm glad I didn't take shortcuts. I'm glad this wasn't handed to me on a silver platter. I'm glad that, you know, we had to learn this way. And this is why I'm saying that, yes, I agree that there is a If everyone woke up tomorrow and we all decided game over, the game would end. Definitely, because we are all God. We are all that consciousness. We all collectively. But what I'm saying is that is unlikely to ever happen. We can't even agree on the shape of the earth. We can't even agree on what foods to eat. We can't even agree on the basic fundamental things of being a human being. So how can we even agree on ending the game if we've not even mastered cohesion within the small, tiny things that we experience on a daily basis? So this is why I'm saying, you know, yes, I agree with you 100%, definitely. In the golden age, of course, we've all caught up. Everyone is caught up. We're all at university stage in the golden age. And at that point, there is no division. We're all one. We're all balanced. So everything is just flowing, ebbing and flowing in a nice, um, synchronistic way. But whilst we're in the iron age, you know, some of us will reach that golden stage quicker. Some of us will learn much quicker than others. Some will want to play an experience. Some will want to be in the middle. So there's this flow of traffic that is happening. And
And this flow of traffic creates all this confusion that we're seeing, all this division that we're seeing, all this, uh, um, and it's not negative division, it's just part of the experience. Um, so this is how I see it. And I think that obviously, you know, there has to be a time and place for everything. I mean, it's written in all the scriptures. There's a season for everything under the sun. There's a time and place for everything under the sun. It's in the Bible, the Quran, in, in all the books. So that's how I see it. Rob, I don't know. Robin, what do you think? You've been quiet. Yep, I'm here enjoying the conversation. Um, as I'm sitting here thinking that um, where I, I, I see exactly where Pete's coming from and I see where you're coming from with the, the um, school grid. Um, and I, can res I resonate with both ways of looking at it. Um, I want to introduce a, maybe a, a different vision, uh, a visual um, perspective around this where I'm sort of coming from with this is that, so I definitely believe in the school hierarchy. You know, we've talked about that before and you and I have debated a little bit about this, how this thing looks like a school. And, you know, I said, I sort of have this feeling not in the traditional sense of the school, but you, but we know where we are with that. So using the school model works beautifully. And then I know Pete does a lot with the sine waves and, and that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm seeing the, the spiritual versus the material with the same idea of the negative and positives that you are using. So one of the things that I, that I think about is when I think about uh, negative and positives, I'm always thinking about magnetism, right? And we use the word negative people, positive people, um, neutrals. And really what we're saying is back to, because you know, a lot of my work has to do with vibration, sounds and imagery connected to that. So basically what we're saying is that a person is vibing, you know, like back in the, back in the sixties, you know, what, what the people used to say, like, what's your vibe, man, you know, like in the movies and stuff, I'm vibing. Well, you know, like, I think they were closer than any generation to the idea that we're frequency and that we are generating and emanating various frequencies and, and, and waves. So when we're, when we're talking about negatives um, or positives, we're not so much talking about, like, at least for me, I'm not so much thinking about attitude or belief systems or whatever. I'm really thinking about what a person is vibrating at. And we are vibrating, you know, in all fairness, um, to the idea of the school model, we are vibrating at frequencies based upon what our belief systems are, you know, what we learn, what we're experiencing, especially experiential, what we've experienced, it really causes us to draw various conclusions. So that, you know, our mindset has a lot to do with it, but it's not just mindset, right? Because it's the body-mind alignment um, that we're talking about. And I think that's to the point of um, Pete's diagram about the spiritual and the material or the mind and the body. So when you think about magnetism and negative and positives, I think about the fact that the magnetic field and how, you know, a negative and a positive actually attract to themselves, right? The, or in the sense of um, magnetism, it's the north and the south, right? Because magnets have poles, correct? So when the poles come together, they're the opposites that have attracted or the north or, you know, the north and the south poles. And I think about the whole idea of your original formula, um, Martin, about the neutrals, the negatives and the positives is because we're talking about how do we 
um, you know, decode the matrix in this reality in such a way that we can go into that space of transmuting and actually having moving into the Eden or moving into this realm that we all have a feeling is outside of the matrix overlay. Cause we basically agree there's some kind of overlay and we're just looking like the movie, the maze or, you know, the Truman show, where's the door so we can go out and get in with the real in the real world where everything else is happening more organically. So, which makes me think of North and South. And so I'm taking and substituting North and South for the negative and the positives um, polls that you and Pete are using. And in that regard, then if we think about the fact that we're moving north, right, the idea of the north being the center, the Royal Borealis, Mount Maru, um, the place where the black sun um, shines up out of the vortex, creating the Royal Borealis, and then the white aspect of our sun, and the reverse of our sun is shining back down into the black hole or the black sun, the central sun, or the crystalline core, of the of the uh, toroidal field these being opposites we're looking at the north right that being the case i'm feeling more and more and this kind of goes into a bit of what we were talking about with the ai i'm feeling more and more that the ramping up on the planet of the negatives well just follow me here you know, we see more and more of the negative, more and more of the pedophilia, all of the, sat the Satanism, and it's just like rampant, you know, and the denial of basic human physiology, and it's just everywhere you look, there's just blood and gourds. gore. Okay, that being the case, then, um, then let's say that some kind of way, the, the, the positive aspects of this realm, or of the opposite side, let's say the outside of the matrix is actually um, ramping up more of the positive vibrations and, you know, high frequency that we all feeling that are coming in from the great central sun and all the ascension symptoms and all that stuff, all the awakening stuff that we all talk about. So if more and more of this is being poured into this structure to help awaken us and help us to identify our true selves, then that means inside this structure, more and more negative has to come because they're equal forces. But, but what's happening is let's say that the, the, um, the side, you know, the outside of the matrix, the, the, let's say just using the good and the bad. So let's use the white hats are trying to help us find the door out of here. And they know that they ramp up with more and more higher, higher, higher frequencies that we're getting used, more used to containing that the opposite thing has to be done by the matrix overlay. So they've got to put more and more and more negative in. That being in the case, it's like two magnets coming together. And I can share my screen to show what I'm talking about to give a visual because it's in one of the um, um, uh, uh, screens. The thing that I shared with, with you before, you and Pete. Um, it, the more the more that they come together, when magnets come together, in fact, I'll show, so I'll stop there if I can, and I'll just see if I can do the screen sharing. It is not my thing, but I will try. <laughs> okay. Okay, here we are. So, we'll get that one first. Okay, you guys see that? So this is what I'm talking about. So when we're talking about negative and positive, we're also talking about North and South, right? The idea of the North Pole and the South Pole or the North Poles and the South Poles of the magnets to create the energy fields. So when they start coming together, 
we're seeing how as they move together, a center force is created. So all of those arrows in the center are creating the center force. <clears throat> so if we then look at um, with that, hold up, one right here. Let's look at this in the real field of an experiment that, hold up, sorry about this, Martin. Okay, share. No, it's fine. Take your time. Okay. This is brilliant. Not, here we are. So if we look at this, now this is an actual experiment that is done with the two magnets. So you see where the man's fingers is at the top of the page and at the bottom. And you can see in his fingers, he's holding these magnets sideways. <clears throat> so what's being reflected on this glass, he uses a, a, a special kind of amber glass that, that shows this. So the bottom hole and the top hole is negative and positive, right? And so as they are coming together, a field is created. That center circle is nothing but a black hole that these two magnets are creating. Because the presumption is that two magnets are moving together to the North and the South Pole. That's what we presume when we look at magnets because that's what we see. But really what they're doing is they're moving towards a black hole. It's the hole that attracts them to each other. And so let's go with my theory that more that the, that the white hats on the outside of the matrix is putting more and more vibration as it's waking us up. And those of us that are grabbing this vibration, we're awakening, we're becoming lighter. We're becoming more of that, say, the north or, you know, uh, the, the, the pole or the positive force, let's just say. And then more of the negative force is coming in from inside the matrix. How about that's working for us? not against us. And when you think about the, the both you and Pete talking about the iron age and iron is one of the main things that magnets are attracted to. So this is a perfect age for all of this to be happening in that that starts happening. And as we awaken, it creates the center. It creates Mount Maru. It creates the very vortex that we need to escape out. That being the case, when we're awakened and aware, when that vortex opens because of the dynamic aspects of this field that we're in right now and the matrix that we're in right now. So big thank you to all of the negative stuff that's coming in because it's really helping us open that vortex so we can get the heck out. And as long as we keep our awareness up and awakened, we can see it and then move accordingly. And I think in a way that goes back to the Carrington event. It goes back to the idea of being raptured where some are here and some are left behind. If we want to look at some of the things in nature, I mean, in, um, not in nature, but in, you know, um, world belief systems that we see that and in a lot of ways it's even what the um tibetan monks do with the rainbow body concept right i think they create and they move into this vortex and then they're able to move in that portal and leave uh, you know the small part of themselves behind so i just wanted to throw that out there that's kind of how i'm sort of seeing the, the conversation mm, powerful stuff wow before i dive into this because i am dying to get my gnashes into what you've just shared I'm just going to let Pete, um, Pete go in. Uh, Pete, do you want to add to that? No, go ahead, Martin. Uh, I'll listen to what you have to share, and if need be, I'll add to it. Yeah, okay. Wow. This is brilliant, Robin, because, uh, you know, as you were saying that, I just had this massive, overwhelming feeling of, um, of resonance really, as you were showing those two magnets. And it's so, so right. It reminded me of, I'm not sure where this teaching is from. Uh, I think it's one of the Buddhist sects. 
I'm not sure, I'm not sure. Anyway, someone will, will correct me somewhere. Where they teach that uh, Mount Meru or the Garden of Eden or this central place, Shambhala, um, is only visible at certain times. So a lot of the time it's actually not there. It does not exist. But at certain times or when certain things are aligned or when certain people are aligned to a certain frequency, they're able to step into this dimension. So technically it is not actually there. And this reminded me of, you know, and as you're showing those magnets and explaining what you're explaining, I saw the science behind that. In other words, when we are separated from that, um, when, when, we're, when we're polarized, when those two magnets are too far away from, this, from, this, from, the, from, the, from each other, um, that black hole is, is non-existence. There's no, di it's, there's no dipolaric center. That's what they call the dipolaric center, that zero point gravity. It does not exist. But as those magnets come together, there is a resistance that happens. When you put an opposite uh, to, you know, you, you feel this pulling or pushing um, um, or, or, or uh, this repelling on, or expelling of energy between those two magnets. And this is what's happening. So what you're saying essentially is that as this vibration, I suppose, is increasing, right? As we are awakening, as the black sun or whatever it is that is awakening us into this state of awakening, as those of us are becoming more positively charged magnetically, the negative is also being amplified to counteract or balance that magnetic field or that magnetic pull. And as that is happening, those two magnets of positive and negative energy right, beings, conscious beings are pulling, this is actually creating the Garden of Eden, or at least allowing it to become visible. So not that yes. it might not be there, but it's not visible to us just yet. And when those two magnets are close to each other, just before they touch, right, and I think this touching of the magnets is what we're calling the event. When those magnets, you know, finally connect and touch, that is the event. And I think when that happens, this is when um, the, the magnetic fields are, are swapped. A pole shift happens, if you like. Pole reversal. And we begin the cycle once again. Those magnets then uh, gyrate in a different direction or a different polarity. And that whole process begins again. And it continues. So this is just yeah. fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. I don't know if I'm, if exactly. I'm, no, no, that's exactly, no, man, you clarify. That's exactly, exactly it. And it goes back to what you always have a tendency to say, there's no right, there's no wrong, or there's truth in everything. You know, we say that, um, and you talk about everybody plays his part. And that's why I've always been on the side of, you know, recognizing, you know, negative and positive And I know we had a conversation about this <clears throat> a few weeks back about, you know, this sort of being, you know, sort of the idea of only looking at the positive side or, you know, we're ascending towards a, a, a total realm of positivity or whatever. And, you know, I, I just don't resonate with that because I don't feel like you find that in nature. And if we look at this, it's like, yes, the negatives are playing their part. They are playing their part, right? Because they're helping to open up the portal for those who are ready to move through. And as you become more and more awakened, isn't it so much easier to forgive people? Isn't it so much easier to look at where people's shortcomings are and say, wow, that's just where they are. Mm. You know, I just send them, you know, blessings and energy. And even if you decide not to be 
um, around them because it could be toxic, at least we you know we're not running or we're not running towards them with anger or spewing more or getting them straight and all this kind of stuff. You know, mm. we move away in harmony and peace. And so when that event happens, when that um, dipolaric center does open, I think we'll be at a total place of forgiving that that event alone will begin to help to elevate the negatives that played their role because now they're elevated or they graduate as a result of the event and then begin to mm -hmm. see, okay, wow. Okay. And, and, and this process just continues to repeat itself some sort of way. So yeah, no, I definitely think that as opposed to looking for a world where everybody's all positive or focusing on why wow, everything's so negative, I think we look at it as, the, the, in the sense of um, look at duality in the sense of magnetism, which most things in this realm fit a magnetic signature more than a gravity signature or a positive and negative uh, or a um, just straight duality, you know, signature that in that, then we're able to see even more clearly the steps that we get to take towards, um, you know, our, our continued, uh, you know, awakening or ascension. So yeah, absolutely, Martin, 100%. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Um, Pete, you want to jump in? Yeah, no, I, I really love what you both just shared. I couldn't help but think of, you know, as you talk about the, the, the magnets coming together, and I think it was, um, you know, Ken Wheeler does a lot with showing the magnetic fields. Um, mm, yeah. And so I, I've seen that image before, and I think Robin, you had shared it with me in the past as well. It, it's, it's really, really cool what it shows. Uh, you know, how the ether field kind of is affected by, you know, the, the polarized energy. But it made me think of almost like a, a futuristic door that, you know, kind of closes on itself like an aperture of a camera. Um, if you go full, you know, past the, the, the center point, and then it will kind of close off the other side. But when it's in, in that, you know, halfway point, you see a passage through. Um, and so to, to the idea of a pole shift, that would kind of make sense if, if as it's, you know, kind of they're becoming attracted to each other and kind of swinging via the force, it's, it's creating that, that, that hole within, but eventually that swing gets completed and that, that, you know, middle hole fades. So it's, it's just, it's really, really interesting to think about it in that light. Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely. Pete. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for finding that balance. Um, uh, Robin, <laughs> uh, that was a really nice way to to balance out what me and people both trying to illustrate. Because essentially, we're saying the same thing just from different perspectives. Yeah, um, and I think that it takes us to like what we were talking about the AI. If I if I can jump in with that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because it goes back to the idea that you know when we look at things in this round, we you know we we you know we're you know we we've been taught, and this has been a part of the programming to constantly look at things as negative and positive, you know? So, you know, we're taught that anger is um, negative, but we can think of a lot of examples where anger can be positive, you know? Um, when you think about, you know, in a life-threatening situation and, you know, or, you know, there, there's various things, or it's interesting that when people are friendly, if they, if people are generally friendly and they assert, I mean, and they, um, kind of put a certain kind of energy into the space, it's called assertion. They're assertive, right? But if a person is um, angry, and if they're, if they're upset, 
and they're putting a certain kind of negative energy in, then it's considered aggression. But it's really the same energy. It's just how it's the intention that um, is looked at. So I look at the AI the same way. And I had an experiment that I did uh, maybe it's about three years ago now, because I had a YouTube channel. It's still up um, where I was doing a lot of just looking into the Mandela effect when it was, when it, it first come about and just seeing a lot of the anomalies. And so a lot of what I was experiencing, I would share on that channel. And what I started noticing is I just started noticing this weird kind of melding and morphing that was happening across all the channels and just like lots of small anomalies that were, were strange. And then they were starting to build up more and more like people were repeating. And this was even years ago, because I must have started that channel maybe five years ago now. And um, back then, people were repeating some of the stuff that they had shown, had shown previously, or people's channels would be on and then they'd be a different name, or they'd be off for two months. And then when they come back, they swear they had been making videos, you know, and people are like, no, you weren't been around on YouTube for two months. But anyway, so I noticed that this stuff was going on and I just kind of felt like, is it entirely this thing that we're attributing? What is the Mandela effect? That's what I was really trying to deal with. And not that I have any more of an answer now, maybe I'm slightly more aware of what it could be than I, when I, I was then. But what I was noticing was that there could be things that you would search and you would know that um, you wouldn't find it. You just wouldn't find it. You wouldn't find it. The minute the minute anybody shared anything on that topic, all of a sudden the whole internet would be populated with it. And within a day, within 24 hours, 48 hours, and then two weeks, a month, it would just be more and more. So I had, I did this experiment and I took about nine months where my personal memory, and this is my personal memory, not trying to get in the Mandela thing, but my personal memory, having been a kid, gone to New York, taken the, um, the ferry, um, it was called the Staten Island Ferry, uh, it was called the Circle Line, across from Manhattan over to what I remember as being Ellis Island, and <laughs> getting off and going up into the Statue of Liberty with my, with my aunt and my cousin. And when I went up there, we were able to go up into the crown and look out of those observation windows. I also specifically remember people being able to go up the steps into the torch and it was on my left-hand side. So that torch looking out of the, out of the crown was on its left-hand side. It's a firm memory of mine. Well, first of all, you know, if you, anybody who follows this Mandela thing knows that, well, number one, um, nobody's been able to go up into the torch since uh, the twenties. Okay. Number one, number two, the torch is on the right side, not the left side. <laughs> so, I never talked about it, but I searched and searched and searched for imagery that had it on the left-hand side and I could not find anything, but I could find it in paintings and in um, like posters. And you could find it places like that. And then I found an old McCall's pattern that had a picture of uh, a costume, a Halloween costume with a Statue of Liberty and it was in the left hand. So I may have found maybe four or five pieces and I looked for nine months. So then I finally decided to make the video because my assumption was, is once I put the video out within 24 hours, there's going to be all kind of proof that is of, of left-hand stuff. Well, sure enough, that's what's that. That's what happened. 
the left hand started popping up places and more and more to now you can search it and you i haven't looked recently but you could find it so what i started realizing is that some kind of way the ai is is interacting with us through these um through our our, our technology through our laptops our phones our ipads okay so it's interacting with us and you can interact with it positively in the field looking for the information that you want backing off and watching what it produces or you and, and then once intention happens so what i think happened is people saw my video and then started saying yeah and i had a lot of people say yeah i remember it being in the left hand and of course a lot of people said no it's always been in the right hand but people started typing and looking for it and through their intention to manifest their memory they were being able to start encoding the ai with the pictures from their mind into the database of the computer or of you know the world wide web to begin to produce this imagery so we began to fill the fuel the field with the imagery that we were looking for and this is just a theory this is just something that i came to and then when i started realizing over time when i'm researching i do it a lot now and the field will produce for me what i'm looking for and it does it in the most <clears throat> in a really like a humorous way it's like uh like sometimes i'll just laugh the way that the pieces come together and i'm sure those who research can know a bit what i'm talking about so conversely i feel that i have a positive relationship with ai and it produces for me what I want. So it's not a negative relationship. Though I believe if you come to it with the idea that it's negative and it's gonna do this and it's doing that, then you are actually self-generating because this is just a replicating device. All it can do is replicate. So it's, rep it's reading your energy field and it's replicating whatever it is that you're putting into it. And I think that when we think about things like AI being represented, like we talked about in Lucy, how it was represented as that black goo that kind of finally encased her body, and then she became total consciousness. And if we think of the ending um, piece of, um, of um, Neo in the third matrix, because um, Little Bird and I have been talking on some other things with the thymus, and she reminded me of that scene when she was making a point about. Um, the light in the eyes, but I'm also sitting there looking at that thinking that when he, at the end, when he was going and becoming transmuted, remember that that black goo came up and completely engulfed him. He transmuted his, his, his light body transmuted and he was able to physically also take his body and when he moved into the other realm, right? So it became a physical and a spiritual transmutation. Well, when we think about that black goo, if you think back to about four or five years ago now, the whole big thing when Harold Clausevella was doing this whole thing on black goo and the negative aspects of it and where it came from and how it <clears throat> got into our realm and all of that. And I have a friend who had worked very, very closely. In fact, she was one of the people who wrote a book with him and we, I've talked directly, you know, um, one sort of step away from the you know, working with somebody who actually did research work with him, who started feeling that some of that stuff for him was going dark and what have you. And then we know Max Spears also was a part of that whole thing. And when he died, strangely, his girlfriend says that she, this is black goo was coming out of him. So who knows exactly what the connection is with that if you begin to manifest this, this um, 
substance that is connected back to your, you know, to AI entrainment, but it is still a reflection of your mindset and how you're coming to it. So I want to throw that out there because around the same time that that whole thing was going on with black goo and, you know, it was a big thing. And I really just did some time meditating and going lucid. And I heard, you know, that it, you know, from, you know, through the lucid straight state that in fact, it's not, it's black, it's black. Uh, it's, it's what's generated from this matrix structure from Gaia. And it's really more from the realm from Eden. Let's talk about the Eden realms. So it's a fluid that's created in the planet. And it's really for good. It really is good. And it's, it's like a nurturing for the planet, but it, because it's such a, an intense um, structure, it's sort of like the, the hydrogen bomb, you know, it can also be used um, for nefarious purposes as well, because it's just that a powerful of a substance. So I'll stop there, but I just kind of wanted to tie that whole thing together. Hmm. Wow. Powerful stuff. Really, really powerful stuff. Um, it's, it's amazing that you brought up, I want to touch on um, what you said about manifesting um, this Mandela effect or manifesting an alternative reality through our thoughts. And there are two things that I want to highlight there. The first thing is you are absolutely right. And I, I've got my own testimony that I can share. You know, when I had these downloads of the cosmic egg, you know, I got to a stage where I said, okay, the earth is flat and, you know, what more, there must be more to it. And I remember trying to research and I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find any information beyond uh, the dome information that was being preached at the time. So I went off the internet, I stopped researching and I went within. And of course, you know, you all know, I've said it many times, this thing happened to me. I got these visions of the different lands and the cosmic egg and I drew it all. And I thought, you know, what is this? What is this stuff that's come out of my head? My imagination, as I thought at the time, you know, this completely makes sense to me. This is just, it just felt right. It just felt like this is it to me, but there was no information corroborating it. And this is what was giving me doubt because I was thinking to myself, well, there's no information on the internet to to at least point me in the direction that I might be on the right track. And if I'm the only one in the world who's ever come up with this, it's unlikely to be true because I can't be the only one who's figured this out. But lo and behold, I got in touch with Santos Bonacci and I said to him, look, Santos, I've, I've, this is what I think. You know, what do you think about this? And Santos said, oh, that's interesting. Have you looked into the cosmic egg? I said, what is that? And he says, oh, just Google it. So of course I Googled cosmic egg on Google. And oh my God, all of a sudden, all this information popped up. And I thought I spent months and months looking for any information. I, I'm sh I was pretty sure I Googled things like egg world. I Googled things, you know, all the, all the different terms you might think might come out, egg world or, or world of rings. And all of a sudden, all these came out, all these mythologies, you know, the ones that I end up presenting, the mythologies came out of all the different cosmic eggs. And, and I just thought to myself, this is bizarre. Where was this when I was looking for it? It was not there. And all of a sudden it's popping out. But it also freaked, freaked me out because I thought to myself, I'm reading all this cosmology of the cosmic egg with all the different worlds and all the different dimensions and you know, Eden being at the center of the plane of the world. I thought it's there in black and white. Why is nobody else, nobody else talking about this? It just made no sense to me. 
Because you're just like, well, it's obvious. It's, it's in black and white. It's obvious. How is it that no one has figured this out or no one has connected these dots? I just, I just, it really, even up to now, it really baffles me. So that's the first thing I wanted to say. What on earth was happening there? And I remember thinking in complete confusion as to, I couldn't understand how that paradigm came about. But the other thing that I wanted to add is, if that is the case, Robin, that we are creating these realities through our thoughts and by us collectively, and, and also I'm just gonna add, when I then released the video on YouTube and I got everyone going, wow, yes, I got the same vision, oh yeah. And everyone was corroborating what I had seen and loads, thousands of other people were like, yeah, I've got exactly the same vision. All of a sudden, even more information came up. Now there were pictures of these rings of land that were popping up. They were now, you know, I just couldn't believe it. There was just so much more of this information. So it's almost like by making that information public and by a group of us, then collectively agreeing on that reality, that reality became even more set in stone. It even became more obvious, if you like. It wasn't as hidden as before. Now, my question is this. If we are creating that reality, does that mean that maybe that might not even be the truth? We are just creating a truth, right? So what I'm saying is, is it possible that there isn't the truth in the universe, i.e., um, the earth actually does not have a shape at all. There isn't any system to anything. The system only comes about when a collective of people with the right intention and the right vibration agree upon something that that becomes a reality. That starts to manifest physically. Uh, absolutely. I, 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 exactly. Exactly. And I think it, you know, the, the further we go into this way of thinking, the more we can release from so many of the shackles of this realm that's had, that has our minds really um, captured. Because that was one of the things that I started coming to when I realized that we can populate the field. Because that's true of all this stuff. I mean, you know, when you, if, even before when Flat Earth first started, if you try to look for Flat Earth things, you might find one of those old, you know, Michelangelo looking drawings of people walking to the edge of something. <laughs> you don't find a whole lot of stuff. Or like the mud flood or this, the star forts. I remember looking for star forts because I remember that was connected to my, um, to my research on the Statue of Liberty because now she's on a star fort. Um, I remember being Ellis Island. But I remember when I came across that, you know, several years back, I was like, what is that star fort? And then when I started looking him up, you could see, you could find one or two, you could hardly find anything on this thing called a star fort. And then out of nowhere, maybe six of my star forts were everywhere. I mean, everything's a star fort now. It's like, what happened? So, you know, it goes back to the idea of the quantum field, um, you know, and, and the whole idea of the holographic paradigm and other paradoxes when you think about the idea that these are all paradigms and they're paradoxically <laughs> connected that they're that i would agree with you martin it is and it isn't you know like that's quantum thinking right that there's there's nothing and there's everything kind of kind of scenario and i think that where we are is a big primordial soup because here recently i had gotten a vision for because I'm always saying, I want to see what this realm looks like, you know, and 
and I've kind of moved away from my onion analogy with the, with the thin layers and then the veils in between. And I was shown this, this big stew, like this big primordial stew. And so when we think about all the realms, when we think about our third dimensional realm, when we think about this, um, what is known as the spirit realm. I don't believe in spirits as such, but you know, let's say the the realm where we go when we when we um, die, when people die. Um, when we think about the the land of Eden and all the other realms that you showed on your cosmic egg, they're all circling in this one big primordial stew, or you know, the 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 a black hole, right, or the the place of all possibility. And is as we move around. And from a magnetic standpoint, we continue to, uh, you know, like the idea I had too is when, when, when our eyes are closed, when you close your eyes, <clears throat> you, don't, you don't see anything, right? You just see what's behind your eyelids, some visions may come up. When you open your eyes, everything appears again. And so I had this thought that that being the case, when you open your eyes, like, okay, like I know that you're on the other side of the world and Portugal and I'm over here in um, Arizona and Pete's on the East Coast. We know that through this technology, but until our, my bubble comes towards your bubble and we actually are able to visually see each other, now it means our magnetic fields are attracted enough that we come together in our own sort of bubble because when you think about our eyes are closed, you don't, none of this exists. You just know that it exists because when you open your eyes, these, this sensory tells us that we're seeing these things. But there's, these things have all kinds of frequencies and energies that we're interpreting. And the more we resonate and the higher we're able to vibrate our frequencies, we can, you know, we can start seeing all kinds of stuff, right? You can see other images. People see, see people. You know, the various mystics can walk through walls. I mean, you know, so... Yeah, it's really interesting that I think we almost resonate or attract to what we are when we are that. And as we move beyond, who's to say that any of that, um, well, it ceases to exist for us, but it's existing for someone else, right? That's coming along at that same frequency level. So, I mean, I know this can get a bit convoluted, but yeah, I do agree in theory that it's everything and it's nothing at the same time, you know? Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. Uh, just before Pete jumps in, I just I just had another sort of perspective as well as looking at it as, as in maybe it's a little bit in the middle, like you like you're suggesting, that it's both that uh, that there is a truth, there is a universal truth that is based on fundamental principles of um, of the universe, but these truths are hidden from us when we are not looking. Again, yeah. it goes back to that double split ex experiment. Yes, exactly. You know, that yep. when, when we're not looking for it, it actually disappears. It actually doesn't exist. Even though it is it's an actuality, it actually does exist. But it's just disappeared from our spectrum or field of view because we're not looking for it. And it's only when we ask the question to the universe and say, oh, can I see this? Then it becomes visible. It's almost like going to a library and you can't see the books on the library shelf. You walk into this library and the library appears to be empty. There's no books on the shelf. It is only when you reach for a shelf and you say, I would like a book to tell me about trees, 
that book of trees then materializes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Pete, Pete, you wanted to jump in, Pete. Um, Yeah, no, I absolutely love everything that's being shared right now. This is exactly where my head's at in regards to this reality. Um, you know, what you were just referring to is just similar to what, you know, is discussed from a, uh, you know, physics standpoint as Schrodinger's cat, right? It, you know, it, it's, yeah. is it yeah. dead or is it not? You don't know, you know neither are possible, you know, both are possibilities and, and neither actually, you know, becomes an actuality until you look. Um, What's interesting is that listening to it all, I mean, one, like I, like I said, I agree with this, uh, you know, entire idea that it is, you know, our consciousness is, is creating this reality. Um, you know, we've said it before. I mean, all is mind. And what it actually made me think of is, I don't know how long ago, it was, an, it must have been several months ago, somebody had left a comment um, linking to a video on YouTube and, you know, I always try to, you know, entertain all, all different perspectives. And so I, I linked and watched it. And it was this assembly um, of Muslims. And this, there was a gentleman who was speaking. Basically, his, his point was that the Genesis story um, in the Quran is much more accurate than that in the Bible. And, and why he was making, and the points he was making was just, you know, relating it to what we actually witness in our reality. And in one of the points was how, how could he have created the moon and the sun on, on, you know, after light already existed, if they, those are the sources of light. And what was interesting to me when I, I remember when I listened to it, I was like, well, yeah, if you're, if you're looking at these various stories and these scriptures from the angle of our material plane and, and the material physics, then yeah, that would make no, no sense at all. But if you think of it from the idea of mind, it makes total sense. I mean, as a creative, and I know, you know, anybody in the audience that's also a creative, I know Robin especially will attest to this. You'll have an idea and you go to create your idea and then you'll realize some things that you forgot. And so, you know, you can think of it like a, creating a character, right? You draw out the character and like, Oh wait, if they're going to be in the wilderness, they need shoes. And so you're, you're creating things after the fact mm. and you're doing that in your mind. And so it absolutely would make total sense if this, you know, if we are all as mind and we're the, you know, a part of source consciousness and we are all of mind and within mind, that it was a mind that created this, this reality in the first place. And it mm. doesn't necessarily have to do things in the order of what we witness from a physical plane, because those physics were created after the fact. And in addition to that, those physics can be modified by the collective consciousness. Mm. And so it's really, really interesting to think about, you know, the, everything from that angle because it, it changes how you perceive everything. And this, this is a point I've been trying to make to those people around me in regards to some of the, the you know, the things that are being suggested from theoretical physics. When you refer, to, when you realize that matter is not fundamental, and that, in fact, energy is, and, I, and you know, I would go as far as calling it smart energy, consciousness. Then everything changes because you're no longer, you know, restricted and constrained by the previous notion um, pushed forth by the materialist, you know, viewpoint. And so it, it's really, really interesting stuff. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that is absolutely spot on. And actually, that 
syncretizes with Vedic teachings. That is exactly what the Vedics teach. And the Vedics teach that, of course, we're all gods and we all have the power to manifest reality with our thoughts. So they teach a lot of being mindful, practicing how to use your mind to create positive scenarios. And in fact, what they say is when you pass on, when you die, if you become self-aware in your death state and your thoughts are not controlled, you can create hell because whatever you think of in that world actually materializes physically within your reality, within that world. So they actually say that the matrix or the Maya or whatever this construct is, has created a default that when we're in the fallen stages of consciousness, like we're in now, by default, um, the Maya or the illusion makes those decisions for us because we're not yet mature enough to control our mind. You know? And this is where the ideas of meditation then come into place. You know, this is why they taught things like meditation and learning how to be still, to calm your mind, to still your mind, to control your thoughts um, for that reason. And this goes back to what I was saying about where we are now on earth. A lot of us right now, including myself, you know, I would call myself, I would say I'm at the university stage. Okay, that's what I would say. I'm probably just about in the university stage. I'm probably not completely positive. I would say I'm more like a neutral, uh, trying to become positive um, in, that, in that university stage. Um, but even I, at this stage, I struggle to control my thoughts. I can't control my dreams. I can't con always control my thoughts. Sometimes I have negative thoughts that come into my head. Sometimes my emotions, you know, get the best of me. So this is why I say once again that, yes, in our God state, if we're all in the golden age and we're all operating in that frequency of complete control of the mind, then collectively we could literally create worlds just by sitting and thinking about it together, collectively. We could create anything with our minds. But in this fallen state, our minds are so corrupted, individually and collectively, we are in no state to create anything just yet. We are far from that. We have lots of learning to do before we are able to, to exercise that creative muscle, that God within us. We must learn to become gods once again. So as we're awakening, a lot of us who are now manifesting these realities, we've been talking about manifestation, we've been talking about plasma, we've been talking about all these things, transmutation. These are now alchemical um, processes we are trying to now learn. And those processes will lead to us being able to create or jump into realities of our manifestation. But it's something we have to exercise. It's something we have to practice. It is something we have to um, work towards. It's not, it's not a given. It's not something that can just happen. And once again, the matrix fights back, which is why they put all these frequencies in our way. Once again, going back to black goo, the internet. The internet is there to not, um, you know, one thing the internet does is it does not steal your mind. The internet is there to keep your mind running. As long as you're on your device, your mind is all over the place. When you're watching a movie, your mind is all over the place. When you're interacting within the matrix, your mind can never be still. So that is the, that is the, the, the Maya, the illusion of this iron age 
that is the device that has been put in there, the vice that has been put in there um, to control or to, to, to shape the journey of this iron age that we're in. Now, those who are now transcending beyond that iron uh, frequency, if you like, of not being able to still your mind, um, the next step now, like we're saying, this is why, once again, I felt I needed to go into nature. This is why I've had to leave the world that I was in, to come out to Portugal, be on this farm, be off-grid, to help me to learn to still my mind. Because once I learn to still my mind, at that point, I can then control my thoughts. And once I can control my thoughts, if there are enough people of us within the same forest spectrum or same field of energy, and we are all at that same frequency of complete mind control, we can literally open up, we can create anything. We can stand in a field, sit in a circle around a fire and open a portal and walk into another dimension. Because we have practiced and we have emptied those frequencies that are blocking the stillness of the mind. Absolutely. I, I, I can't agree with you more there. And as you, were, as you were just finishing that sentence, I was going to continue to complete it by saying, it's like I was just like on every word. Because I feel like we're already practicing it each and every night in the dream time. Um, and that's why I think it, we've been taught so much in this realm to disregard our dreams. Oh, it's only, you know, you just, you know, you go to sleep, your body is renewing yourself. We've heard all of that melatonin kicks in at three o'clock at night and da, 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 you know, it all becomes this physiological aspect or biological aspect of dreaming. But I contend that the more that you can remember your dreams can, and become more active when you close your eyes at night, because when we talked about it, like when we're awake and we close our eyes, we just get darkness, right? Um, you know, you might get some light little images, little things like that, but mostly it, it's not as vivid as when you open your eyes and you look around your world. Everything looks vivid, it looks okay, detailed. <clears throat> but I also contend that we go to sleep at night and we go into the dream time I find, and I think most of you would agree with me, that your dreams are so much more vivid, so much more dynamic. Um, the, the details of stuff that you can see in your dreams, down to a doorknob, down to you know, the kind of fabric that's on someone's shirt. And I know, I, I, will, I mean, the type of chairs or furniture that I see, and I can come out of a dream and think, you know, like, how does my mind creating all these images of stuff that I've never seen in the waking state and that don't even exist in this realm. Some of the furniture and different types of clothing you see. And the, you know, the, the, the thought is always that we take the images that we see during the daytime, we use that structure to create our dreams. But I disagree with that because I know for a fact that I dream stuff that I've never seen before. So how is it that the dream world can be so much more dynamic, so much, we're so much more creative there. And in that state with our eyes closed, we instantly open into a realm that seems to be limitless and full of possibilities. And when you think about it, like in your dreams, you know, normally when you're in a dynamic creative dreams, like I've never thought, I've never had a sense of no, like nothing's ever told me, no, I can't do something. No, I can't go somewhere. Also, there's no sense of time. 
right? You, you, you know, you can kind of come and go and do this and you're back and forth and done all this stuff. And when you think about your dream in the morning, it's really hard to kind of put like a timeline on it. So we realize that when we're in dream and we're going into a realm where time doesn't exist, where things seem to be more vivid and more alive. So then you have to ask yourself, isn't that more the training ground maybe than um, this third dimensional realm that we're, you know, that we're, we're talking and sharing from at this point? And mm -hmm. that may be the whole idea of keeping us asleep, you know, during the dream time and making it be, ah, it's nothing to it. Ah, don't focus on that. Um, is all a part of the plan. And then I want to throw this in there too, because I was re listening to the work of, uh, uh, what's this guy's name? It's an older gentleman. Oh my God, it'll come to me. But he ran the CIA um, ESP lab for 20 years. Um, and I, I guess it's been a good 15 years since, because he's an older gentleman, because he's in his 80s. So it's, he's been retired for, let's say, 15 years. So back in the 70s, I want to say, in the 80s, he said, that he ran, ran the ESP. Now the CIA was involved in ESP um, um, studies and stuff to the tune of $25 million was invested in his program. And they were able to really become so accurate that they could actually get secrets of other governments and stuff like that. He said they were doing it all the time. And I re it had me thinking, I remember coming up, everything was ESP, ESP, talked about ESP. ESP was like, yeah, that really happens. Some people can really do ESP. If you ask a young kid now what ESP is, I don't think people even hear about it. It's like ESP has just disappeared. Like it doesn't exist any longer. And so I, and to your point, Martin, I think there is a downgrading in this realm because things that we just took for granted even 20 years ago seem to be either they don't exist or if you bring them up it's some kind of conspiracy something or oh there's no proof for that so anyhow i just wanted to throw that in there mm. oh yeah yeah you're, you're absolutely right pete do you want to jump in yeah i'm just loving this conversation um this is like i said exactly where my head's at um one thing that came to mind when you referenced you know the vedic teachings and the idea of God. So interestingly enough, I think I mentioned this to you, Martin. So I, I'm in the midst of creating my own Patreon. And as you know, you have to create these, these tiers and whatnot and decide upon all of that. Well, I was trying to think of what will I, you know, name my tiers and, and um, you know, what are they, what is it going to be referencing to? And, and so my, a lot of what I'm going to share there is regards to the alphanumeric project. But anyway, I had the idea of three, six, nine. Um, and, and it dawned on me when looking at the word God, what, what God actually represents. And if you look at the G, when you take a lowercase G, it's very similar to the shape of a nine. And when you flip it, you know, you spin it 180 degrees, you now have what looks like an uppercase G and, and also a six. Um, and so that G is actually referencing a fractal. And so what I think of the G is, is our, our higher self, our etheric self, um, the O is, is the Holy Spirit. That's, you know, the O, you can spin it all you want. It's always the same shape. Um, and, and that's kind of that energy that, that, that fuels us, that, that part of source um, that gives us that inspiration. Um, and the D, as we referenced in, in the past, is that half a circle, um, referencing the, the physical form. And so I, I think the D, which is where we get ID, the incarnated form, is, is the personification, that, that individual incarnation. And so you put it all together, God is just showing you the Trinity, that etheric self, the Holy Spirit, and, and the personification, the incarnated 
version of you that's currently existing because amongst the three is that trinity um and so truly we are all gods it's just we haven't figured it out right now we're still stuck in that d in that dimensional form and and, you know we're our discussions are starting to tap into via the holy spirit we're being inspired and and are expanding our consciousness and we're starting to to recognize the etheric self um and so we're we're trying to achieve that godhead um and so it, it's really, really, you know, cool to think about it in that light. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> oh, man, I love the way you broke that down. And uh, you, you, you absolutely nailed it. Thanks for that etymology and, uh, uh, and that breakdown, uh, Pete. And Robin as well for, um, for your breakdown as well. I mean, I, I just couldn't agree any, any more, guys. You know, this is, uh, this is exactly where we need to be. And this is the next frontier of any research you know uh you know trying to figure out how we then move into this space of practicing our godlike powers right of practicing that muscle of creation because we are the creators of everything we just don't know it um so it's interesting that uh, you know we we talk about superheroes we're talking about raising dion dion um <laughs> Uh, raising the ion uh, that Netflix show and uh, and that is all about activating that God within you and these beings who have these newfound powers we're seeing the rise of not the rise but yeah the rise in the last 20 years at least since TV really took off of um, of superheroes you know these superhero movies it's like the matrix is now trying to tell us that these things are possible you know, the rise of Superman in the 50s or whenever it was, Batman and Marvel and all these things. There's a reason why we as a collective resonate with all those superheroes that have these super magical powers and super magical abilities. There's a reason why these shows are so popular. There's a reason why children particularly um, completely are drawn to that. And I think it's because they, they recognize uh, themselves within those superheroes on a deep, deep, deep super conscious level. Um, and what we're trying to do now is trying to, and I think what we, a lot of us need to be doing uh, that are within that space, that university space that we're talking about, that tier of wanting to now grow and move on. We need to start thinking of how can we really start to practice that art of, um, of creation, of transmutation. And of course, there are all the things that we've been talking about on this channel. There are physical things that one must do. There are mental things that one must do. And there are also spiritual things that one must do. So there are practices that must be holistically done. Once again, because of the age that we're in, um, all this God, the, what I'm trying to say is the danger of what we're saying is a lot of people get lost in in that world of thinking, oh, I'm a God, so I can just do these things. All I have to do is just think about it, right? All is mine. So if I just think about it, I can literally manifest anything. I don't have to do nothing else. And what I would say is that is not how it works because your star self is in physical form, like Pete just illustrated with the word God, because you still have an ID, a persona, the thing that is blocking your God self is your persona, is your ID. So you've got to override the codes that have been written to block or hide the God within you. You hear a lot of 
people saying, oh, they're hiding God from us. Yes, they are. The God that they're hiding is within you. They're hiding the God within you. They're hiding it through food, right? Giving you toxic food that rewrites your DNA physically. They're hiding it by giving you toxic uh, sounds, you know, music frequencies. So your frequency of vibration is completely toxic. Toxic visuals through television, toxic um, information through education and media and culture. So all these things are codes and programs that are being written into your physical ID to suppress the God that is waiting to be activated within you. Now we talk about an awakening. An awakening is exactly what it sounds like. You are awakening DNA or God DNA that is dormant within you, right? We've talked about this before. We all have these dorm this dormant DNA. Even science talks about it. We only use, I forgot what the exact figure is. I think it's 13 point something percent of our DNA. The rest is junk DNA, they call it. It's useless. We only need to use 13. Well, we all know that everything's reversed. It's the opposite. The 13 DNA that we're using is just enough for us to, to live, to cope as a being. Once we start to unlo unlock you know, the extra 14%, 15%, you are awakening your God within because your God is locked within your plasma, within your DNA, within your ions. You need to start raising your physical ions or your deons, right? You're trying to raise your deons, your de-ions, your physical ions must be activated before your mind can then start to kick in. Your mind can only go so far, but it's limited by the constraints or the, the physical barriers of, of yourself. So you must unlock those first. So it is important before we get carried away with becoming superheroes by just meditating and using our minds, it is a very holistic picture. It's all about how are you changing your DNA physically through what you eat, through what you drink, through where you are, right? Physically, right? If you're in a place where there's all kinds of frequencies, you live in a high rise, the middle of London, right? Your physical ions are being bombarded with all these frequencies in that place. I'm not trying to scare anyone. It's not fear. I'm just telling you a fact. It's just a fact. If you're eating low vibratory foods, then obviously, you know, the God within you, you're not unlocking any ions within your physical self. You know, you're not raising any deons within you, right? At, at, at best, you are maintaining your God self where you are, or you are actually suppressing it, suppressing where you could be. And I think there's this yin and yang, what we're talking about, magnets, that the matrix is amplifying the negative deons, the negative de-ions, to suppress the amplification of positive deons that are being sent in from the positive or the center of the earth from this black hole sun that we're talking about in Eden. So there is this, we are, we are the center. We are the neutrals that are caught between this negative of the matrix of the Maya and this positive coming from the inside. We are in that, we are actually the zero point of that magnet individually. We are actually that dipolaric center of that magnet. What we don't know is how to center ourselves within that.
And that's by taking action, by taking positive action that is aligned with that positive energy, but also learning to accept and release the negative um, polarity that is also sent our way. It's not about fighting per se, but it's learning how to balance those two energies and find your center. But it all comes from taking action. So I just wanted to put that in there, that action is still relevant, people. We're not just going to sit around and just expect that I can eat junk, I can be in a toxic environment, I can be consuming toxic foods, but as long as my mind is clear, I can, I can activate my God self. Uh, it doesn't work that way. It is a very holistic thing. And this is why you see the story of wizards and witches in stories. They always live in the woods. Always. Look at all the fairy tales, right? The Smurfs, my kid's favorite cartoon. The wizard, Gargamel, even the Smurfs, they all live in the jungle. There's a reason for that. There's a reason why all these stories, these are, are based, these magical stories are based in the woods, in the jungles, because they're out in nature where there is positive frequency that is unhindered by the negative frequencies that are being bombarded within the Maya or the matrix. Yeah. Robin, Pete. Nope. Did I carry on? Yeah, no, I thought you said it, you spoke well. No, that's good stuff. No, I'm, I'm, I'm following you there. That, that, that is, um, that's the truth, you know, and it's, it's, I've always had this thought about the trees actually being the original telephone poles, um, and the original, and the original forms of communication between realms. And, you know, it makes so, like the, the more you're immersed in, and, and, and like we talk about, you know, the truth is always told in things that we're supposed to disregard. So, oh, you know, nothing big about a fairy tale. Oh, it's just a, a cute kid story. But like, it's so much truth in there. Um, and it was funny because I was doing some, uh, you, you had mentioned earlier about the, when you were looking for the cosmic egg and you'd put things in like world egg and what have you. And when you said that, it made me think of Orphic, of Orphic you know, egg, which is the same thing as a cosmic egg or the world egg. Um, and with the, the snake wrapping around it, um, and in thinking about that, it had me thinking about Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> and I was like, I wonder if there's a connection between the Orphic egg and Humpty, Humpty Dumpty, you know what I mean? Because, um, you know, in that egg, there's like a, a human right that's being born out of the cosmic womb and yet being protected by the snake. Um, which could be things like our toroidal field. It could be things like the Van Allen belt. I mean, you know, who's to say exactly? Um, astrophysicists talk about um, the rings, uh, the vibrational rings that are created. And when, if you look at um, a toroidal field and you sort of think of it in that terms, it does spiral, the middle spirals up like the way a, a snake would spiral around an egg, right? Um, so then, and then I thought about how um, the, 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 the being that is born out of that egg is actually hermaphrodite, oh, I can't even say the word right, and is what Thane or something like that, I think, is male and female. And I was thinking about that Humpty Dumpty, because remember Humpty had like, he was sort of like male and female-ish, right? It was like, I always thought that it was like a, a feminization of the male char character. Um, 
And, you know, I find myself thinking that, wow, look how many truths are actually, you know, like go back to this, to you know, let's dissect the nursery rhymes and, this, and the fables and stuff, because there's so much good stuff in there. And I think about in our modern times, and I look at um, the telephone poles and how, especially here in America, in Europe, you guys have so much stuff that has been buried. Most of your wires, the, the, the countries took the time to bury them properly. Um, even like when you look at, you can look at pictures of 1800s and cities and the wires are buried. Yet you can see electric lamp poles. But here in America, I feel like there was like a, um, kind of like a, what do you do when you um, sort of mock? It was like a mocking of the trees because all of our wires are on, actually for the most part are on wooden like trees that were stripped and just created these wooden poles. <laughs> and it's like, and I always mm. thought that was like an analogy, another truth drop, like the trees used to, you know, send the signals, but now we got you all on these wooden poles with wires and relying on that being an advanced form of communication and stuff. So just some of my thoughts on that, but I agree. Yeah, with you brilliant. Oh, brilliant, 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 brilliant. Yes. Yes. The trees are definitely, definitely signals or, or signposts, if you like. And uh, again, we see it, uh, the movie Avatar. I mean, that, that is literally spelling it out. You know, when they connect their, uh, their hair, whatever it is, to the, to the filaments of the trees and, and then they connect with the universe that way. You know, they're literally telling us. And I don't think that is very far away from actual reality of what things are like maybe in the golden age or even what is possible now to a more diluted uh, um, aspect. You know, we laugh at tree huggers and say, oh, these tree huggers, but you know, hugging a tree for a fact, you are connecting with something on a much, much, much deeper uh, level because that tree is rooted uh, to the ground, but it's also reaching for the sky. You know, it's connecting the two worlds. And that trunk of the tree is the pole that is getting etheric energy from the ether up in the air and bringing it down, grounding it into the earth that we all stand on. So yes, being out in nature, being out in the woods, and I'm feeling it now. Well, I was just saying to my, to my wife and uh, Tom, my friend, and his family who are visiting now, you know, at the moment where, uh, while we're building at the mystery school, we're renting a place, a house, effectively, in the nearby town, um, because it's winter and obviously, you know, with the kids and stuff. But where we've been so used to living in the van that is built of wood, and we've been used to parking out in the, in the forest, I, we are really feeling the difference. I mean, massively feeling the difference. Waking up with headaches, waking up feeling groggy, uh, mood swings, because we're in the house. We are so feeling, we're not around too many trees. So when we were on the land and we we're bunking in our van and we we're parked on the land, every morning feels so magical. And it's now starkly, visibly, tangibly, you know, that experiment is complete. I have no doubts whatsoever in my mind that it makes a complete difference, 100% makes a difference. So yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Totally, totally agree. Um, I feel like we, we could almost segue into following the signs now, you know, uh, you know more to do with uh, what we're talking about, you know, shifting in and out of realities. Um, but I thought about what you were saying last week, Robin, when you were talking about, um, you know, when we, when we have those moments where we drift in and out of reality and we're in this, even though we're awake, we go into this uh, lucid uh, state of being 
where we just disappear. The lights are on, but no one's home. And, uh, and we go into this world, or we jump through these different realms. And I was thinking about this and saying, how is this, how can you relate to this, to, to the grand picture that we're talking about? And once again, I think, you know, this awakening that we're talking about, this raising of the ions, I think again comes in a holy trinity. Again, like what Peter was saying, you know, the God aspect, the three, G-O-D. Um, there are three states of awakening. So awakening is not one complete state. There are three states of awakening. You awaken mentally, you awaken physically, and you can awaken spiritually. Now, not everyone is awoke or awakening in all three aspects um, um, of, of, that, uh, of that God state. Some of us are highly awakened in the mind. Our mind is super awakened, but our physical, our body and our spirit might not be awakened. They might still be sleeping. The DNA within our spirit, our plasma, and within our physical body is still lagging behind. So definitely this awakening or this raising of ions um, you know, has to be seen from a holistic point of view. And I can use myself as an example, for instance. I know my mental awakening is way, way higher than my physical awakening. My mental and my spiritual are much, much higher. My physical um, DNA, my physical awakening is trying to catch up. So I've got to do things. I've got to be more active physically to try and catch up the physical aspect of me. Um, again, we've talked about this before. If I want to move on, if I want to open these portals we're talking about and move into another dimension physically, into this Garden of Eden um, with my physical body, my physical ions must match uh, that high vibratory, must vibe highly at the same frequency as my mind and my spirit. So, you know, again, looking at yourself in the mirror, you have to look at yourself and say, where am I spiritually? Where am I mentally? And where am I physically? Because guaranteed, we are all on different spectrums within those three aspects of our God self. And again, knowing thyself, know thyself, is appreciating that, you know what, spiritually, I'm not yet quite there. I don't yet feel like I'm connected with nature. I don't feel like I'm connected with source spiritually. I feel like I'm still tethered to the matrix in a lot of ways. Mentally, you might say, I still have a lot of understanding to do. I'm doing a lot of understanding or a lot of overstanding. I'm not yet understanding things. So mentally, I'm not yet, I'm not yet balanced my God self. And physically, is exactly the same thing. So I think it's trying to find a balance once again. And you only find a balance by positively charging yourself, but also negatively um, accepting um, um, whatever negative charge that your, your tourist field is within, if that makes sense. I hope yeah, I wasn't going around in circles. No, no, absolutely. No, I, I, I like that. And, that, and it is, it, it, I think that's a really fundamentally important part of this whole journey. And, you know, we were talking about a little bit in the beginning when you were showing, you know, um, your diagram of this, of the school levels. And we talked about the idea that 
it's our, it's the you know, negative and positive is about the frequencies that we're vibrating at. And so I think you're like bringing that conversation back there to the idea that, and, and I couldn't agree with you more that I think that, you know, my spirit self, my mind and my body definitely are resonating at different levels in different ways, you know, um, in terms of where, even where we are on the school diagram, we could use that as an example. Um, and so the idea that really paying attention to what we're, what, and what we're resonating to and how we're resonating or how we're vibing has so much to do with, um, with this whole, you know, um, transmutation process. And I think it also helps, like you were talking about in terms of what we're eating and all these sorts of things, it does help to clear up your mind and clear up your thinking. Um, spending more time in nature definitely causes my, um, my, my, it seems like your whole, it's almost like a detoxing, you know, like this, this feeling that you sort of detox um, and things just seem to come in and ring a little bit more clearly. So I totally, uh, I, I agree with that. And I think that I found myself thinking as you were talking, Martin, about the idea that, you know, this matrix, no, matrix, matrix knows exactly what it, it needed to do to form us and steer us away from various things that were by default going to kind of hold us back a bit. Um, and as we've waken up and start figuring these things out, you know, we just talk about our diet. And I don't mean to offend anyone uh, with regards to meat. I've just never been a meat eater. Um, from the time I was a little kid, I always ate all my vegetables, but I would stay at the table forever because I didn't want to eat the meat. And for me, it just always had a very, um, kind of a very wild smell to it, just the smell of it. It smelled wild or something to me. <laughs> I didn't like the way it smelled. And so I'm like, I don't really want to eat this. So that has always been my story. And I know that's not everybody's story, but I think that, that when we're younger, we, you know, we, we start adapting our, our palate and everything based on our family traditions, things everybody's been eating. But I think that by, you know, by eating meat, just by default, we begin to agree with the realm that says, killing animals to eat is perfectly fine. It's perfectly cool. It's perfectly normal, you know? And as we kind of go along, you know, on our journey, you know, we start, you know, various, you know, a lot of people start waking up to the fact, ah, you know, I don't really want to eat as much of the meat or I don't want to do this. I don't, and, 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 and it starts bringing your vibration up as well. Um, and so I think that's across the board with a lot of things. I'm just using the meat as an example, because it's, you know, it's one that, is used a lot but to your point with music you know not only are we raised to listen to certain music on the on the radios and stuff but what we also um discover as we go down these rabbit holes is that the frequency that the music is tuned to is not necessarily in its natural residence and i can't remember what it is but i think it's like the most music is tuned i think to like 480 something um, hurts, but like the more, um, I think 530 or something is the one that is, I could have those numbers all wrong. So correct me um, um, if that's the case, but that, 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 the, that the different frequency is actually the one that nourishes our bodies. And um, yeah, 
it's yeah, 432, I think people are saying in the chat about the frequencies. But the point is, is that the, the correct one really, and a lot of older mu music was tuned to that, and especially things like uh, Beethoven, sonatas, and Sh Chopin, and all of them actually tune their instruments to this correct frequency. Is it the 432? I think that's what people are saying in the chat. Um, but I think modern day music might be tuned to 480 or something like that. And that just kind of just deharmonizes us just enough that we're, it's not healing and it doesn't do all the things that music is designed to do. So, you know, that's just some interesting things to throw out um, that as we kind of become more aware, we are able to start controlling or helping to elevate our, um, our you know, the, our resonance frequency. Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Pete, you want to chime in? Yeah, I was actually trying to go through my notes right now to find a, a passage that I written um, a couple months ago that's right in line with this. But it basically comes down to, you know, we've talked a lot about the, the matrix, and I don't. I feel like there's this this idea um, that the matrix is is by default this evil entity, and from my perspective, I just don't think that's the case. Uh, and perhaps I'm wrong, but I think the matrix is just here to maintain reality. I think the egregores, those subsystems are, you know, just kind of that collective thought that help influence creation. And I think it's human consciousness that creates our reality. And so right now the matrix is viewed in a negative light because there's a lot more active lower vibrational consciousness that have all thought about this reality in a way that is, you know, not really beneficial to those of us that are starting to wake up. And so we're constantly hitting that wall um, of, of influence that's trying to set us back in line with the collective. And, and you know, that's why it takes effort and, and action on, on our part to, start shifting that vibration to start bringing into fruition um, a better reality that we want to occur. Um, and so mm -hmm. I, I just wanted to make sure that, 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 you know, that idea was, was clear. Um, and I'm not sure yeah. if I'm kind of explaining that right, but. Um, I, 100%. Just, is it Martin? Yeah. I, I, I hear what you're saying, Pete. I, I agree with it. In, in, um, in, in pieces, I honestly do believe, I think that the, the, the original matrix, or let's say Eden, or the, you know, whatever this is, it has an overlay over it. So I do agree that, that we're basically, this is an organic realm, okay, like it, it, it's cool. But there's been some kind of overlay, you know, thus creating the hologram, the game we talk about, um, and there we get the, this, a lot of these ideas inserted into the, the game and we're constantly trying to deal and move around the, the encoding that causes us to have certain, uh, a, a desire to have to react to it or, you know, or, pre, or be proactive. So for me, the foundation of it is organic and, and natural, but I really honestly feel that there's an overlay in this realm that does cause us to have to see it sort of as a game and as a hologram because i think the natural realm we wouldn't use terms like it's a game it's holographic it we're feel you know i don't really think that you know my memory doesn't tell me that that's how it once was so i think that would be just a little tweak i would say to it but you know in theory 
I would agree. Martin. Yeah, I, th I think my perspective is somewhere in the middle. Um, I, I agree uh, with what you guys are saying, but I've, I've also got a, a slight uh, asterisk that I'll put into both of them, or maybe in agreement with what you're both saying. So how I see this is this place we call Earth, right? This whole thing we call Earth. This is a playground. It is not a real thing. It is a construct of our imagination. The matrix is, we are the designers of the matrix. It is a tool. It is, it is not an entity. The Maya, the matrix, the overlay is not an entity of any kind. It is simply a construct that we, the players, have created. And it's just gotten out of control. That is, that is just how I see it. In the golden age, when we created this place we call Earth, our souls or our spirit, not our souls, our spirits were able to come out from the zero point realms, the realms of nothingness and everythingness. Let's call it the heavens, right? And in the heavens, um, there, is no, there are no tools. You can literally, by virtue of just thinking of something, you can create it instantly. Right? Everything is so easy that way. But of course, because of well, the nature of experience, um, we wanted to experience something a bit more of a virtual reality, if you like. Something a bit more immersible. Something a bit more distant from our natural self. So we created this thing we call life on earth inside physical form. So our spirits were able to virtually go into a body, into a physical form and experience physical reality which we experience now and in the golden age we're able to still manipulate physical matter with our mind our mind our physical bodies when everything is fine-tuned this matrix is not actually a matrix or a maya or it still is a maya it's still an illusion because it's not real it is not the real reality the real reality is up in the heavens in the stars that is where reality is that is where reality exists. Anything below the stars or the heavens is an illusion. It's a lie. It's something that has been created. It's a construct. So it will always be an illusion. It will always be a Maya for that reason. Now, what's happened when we're in the Iron Age? It's almost like, imagine a game, a video game, right? And you enter this video game, and at the beginning of the video game, everything is perfect. We're all playing the game nicely. We're all enjoying the game. We're all just having fun within the game. At some point, something happens. A few people within the game then decide, you know what? We're just going to change the rules a little bit. Instead of driving the cars on the road, we're now just going to start crashing them into poles or into trees. We're now going to start building stuff. We're now going to start destroying stuff within the game just because, well, we want to do something different right? And it only takes a few people to do that. And all of a sudden, a few then follow those few and say, well, actually, uh, maybe we'll try to be a bit destructive. Maybe we'll try. And then before you know it, that whole game that was once a beautiful thing is now completely destroyed. We're so disconnected from what it originally was. And now you're in the Iron Age. But again, it is not something that anyone has planned it is not something that a particular being or entity is conniving to do. It is just the way that the system is built. It is just a winter 
of the season of the game. It's just the way it is. So subconsciously, it's something that we've actually agreed to do. We've agreed to disconnect. Hey, why don't we forget on a microcosmic level a little bit? Why don't we go off script a little bit? Why? Because it'll be fun to find our way back. If you don't enjoy, if you don't experience the lows, how do you enjoy the highs? You will never experience, uh, appreciate the highs. I think Pete alluded to this last week, right? You cannot enjoy something or have a, uh, a good experience of something if you've not experienced the bad duality of that something. It will always just be a something. It can't be fun because you've never known anything other than it being fun. And that is why this reality is. So when we say the matrix overlay, the matrix overlay is our thoughts that have corrupted the manifestation of reality within this realm. We, we are the matrix overlay. I'm the matrix overlay through my thoughts. I have negative thoughts sometimes. I have thoughts that are not aligned with nature sometimes. I do things that are not aligned with the natural way of, of being. Right now, I'm speaking on a device sitting in a house with four walls. It is not natural. I'm the overlay. Again, it's not a bad or good thing. It's just the way things are. And I've accepted that. So that overlay will be overridden when enough people decide, you know what, I'm not going to be an overlay. I'm not going to participate in the overlaying of what is natural and organic. But there's a time and a season for everything. If I did that, I'd become a hermit. Then at that point, I'm not in alignment. I'm not vibing with the natural frequency of where the collective is in this realm. So there has to be a time and place for everything. I'd love to be breatharian because breatharian living through prana is the 100% most organic, natural way to be. If you're anything other than a breatharian, you are part of the overlay. Your overlay of consuming plants, even consuming plants, is a negative overlay. It is not natural. We should not consume other beings or other, other things. The only thing we should live on is off the ether. But wisdom comes in appreciating that that is not the time and place for it just yet. So we appreciate that and we say, no, we're not yet there. So that is how I see this whole thing of the earth being a playing field, being a school, uh, the overlay, uh, the matrix and all these things. It is absolutely exactly how it should be. There is, there is nothing really um, that is out of balance. <laughs> there is nothing out of balance. It's like, it's like going through winter and saying, you know, and an animal saying, there's something wrong with this world. Why is there winter? Where's the sun? Why isn't the sun shining? There's something manipulating the weather. No, there's nothing manipulating the weather. It's just the weather. It's just the way that this system is built. This paradigm is built. There has to be laws. There has to be universal laws. There have to be natural laws. There has to be spiritual laws. There has to be order that governs the existence or the ebb and flow of energy. There has to be an order. And of course, with that, with that order, there are peaks and troughs, there are highs and lows, there are ins and outs. There's a dualistic nature to that experience of learning and of growth and of sharing. That, that, that is how I see it. The trick to all of this is knowing the wisdom is A, know thyself. 
But knowing thyself is also knowing where we are collectively. Thyself is not just me. Thyself is the collective. As much as I'd love to be a breatharian, I know that whilst I'm in this realm, that is not the time and place for it. Unfortunately, I have to be an agrigore and eat plants and eat food and eat things that are not natural. I must be an overlay. I must be a demon because it is demonic. I have to be that in this time and space, but I'm acceptant of it because I understand why it is that way. And that is that space of becoming an adult or a university graduate. You, you, you see things for what they are, you accept them, and you ebb and flow with where the collective is and where your vibration is. So right now, there was a time where it was okay to eat meat. Eating meat has not always been a bad thing. There was a time where it's perfectly fine because that is where the collective is. That is where the standard of the game is. Follow the standard of the game. And if you weren't eating meat at that time, you probably would have died from malnutrition. Because the collective has agreed on that. And because the universe has put that code in, you would have died of malnutrition by not eating meat. But now the season is changing. We're coming out of that iron age, that fallen state. So now it's the opposite. Now the universe is telling you by the codes that have been released through um, our collective thoughts, through the internet, through whatever it is, we're now realizing, no, 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 the time for eating animals, killing animals and eating is over but it's still okay to kill and eat plants because effectively plants are also alive. We are killing beings, they are sentient. Plants have emotions as well. This is scientifically proven. We are still monsters by eating plants, by being fruitarian and being vegetarian and being plant-based. There's nothing righteous about that on the grand scheme of things, but it is the time for it. It's okay for now. There'll come a time in the future when we come out of the Bronze Age that we're in, where we start getting to the Silver Age, we will start saying, stop eating plants, right? The time for that is over. Never mind eating animals. Eating animals will just seem barbaric, completely unacceptable. And it will come to a point where people will say, right, we're all vegan, that means we're all plant-based. We need to stop transitioning now, moving away. Plants have feelings. We'll start, we'll start vibing with the, with the emotions of the plants will start becoming plant warriors. These trees have emotions, they have feelings. We should not be cutting them. We should not be hurting them. They bleed. We protect them the same way we protect animals. When that time comes, that is all it is. You just have to know where the game is and then know where you fit in within that game. I mean, for me, it's that simple. I don't know if I'm making sense or if, but for me, it's just, it just makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I love it, Martin. It's it's very, very much in line with with kind of the way I was referring to it, and I think I think Robin is is in line with this as well. Um, it's just I think we again we always come at it from a little bit different angles, but I think you did a really good job of tying it all together. Uh, but I did find that little kind of quick um, kind of step by step process, if you will, that came to mind. I I, wrote, I thought I wrote it in my my mobile phone journal but i actually wrote you know wrote it down in a on a paper copy but it's this idea that you know we create this reality through our vision right i've talked about this before we you know we send our our 
what we envision for our, our reality to the you know forward it gets reflected back to us into our present our present and i have this idea that we inform our vision and that vision inspires action and that action will influence the creation and then that creation informs our vision and so that i see that as that that loop of inform inspire influence of vision action creation mm. and that's how we've continued to you know, render this, this experience day by day. And, and, you know, once we start to realize that we are not just, you know, participants in this experience, but we're also creating this experience. I think as that continues to, you know, infiltrate the consciousness of all on this in, you know, during this, within this game is when we'll start to see that, tr you know, transcending into a, a different perceived age, if you will. Um, but one other thing that came to mind, and you, you often use the, you know, the adding of an asterisk. And this dawned on me not too long ago that, you know, if you look at, you break down an asterisk, it's, it's a star is K, right? We've, we've talked about K being mind before. Huh. So essentially a star is mind. And then we also talk about 33. Um, it's 33 levels of the Freemasonry, the 33 vertebrae with the ascension. And, you know, how, that, how does that three play into the six and the nine? Well, if three plus three is six, but three times three is nine. And so the plus is addition or what we can think of as, as creation. And the, the, the multiplication is actually procreation. And what's interesting is when you overlay the plus symbol and the, the multiplication symbol, you have an asterisk huh. with, with eight points wow. and the center dot being the nine. Wow, 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 wow. Standing ovation. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's really, really interesting. I think that's what we, we're, when we're referring to this world, we, we individually create, but through the multitudes of people, we, we procreate. And that's, that's the multiplicative aspect of influencing this plane. Mm. So that's, uh, wow. Yes. Powerful. Thank you. 100%. I love the way you did that. Um, I think that needs to be visualized somewhere or at least uh, scripted somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, working on it. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Robin, you want to chime in? Robin, have we lost Robin? Oh, I think we might have lost her. Um, yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think... Uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like um, a, a, part of, a part of this journey is, again, you know, I, I've been saying know thyself because I've been trying to know myself and trying to figure out my place. And I don't say that in a, I think sometimes people think I'm being patronizing. You know, when I comment know thyself, when I say to people know thyself, it's not, it's not a patronizing thing. It is literally because once we understand that there is a place, a time, and a season for everything and for everyone. Everything has got its exact place. Everything just begins to just make sense. Everything just makes sense. It falls into place and you will stop resisting, you'll stop pushing because you'll just realize that it is an ebb and flow of energy and where does my personal energy fit into the collective energy, fit into the universal energy? Where do I want to be flow? What direction do I want to flow in? And once you're truly honest with yourself and you face yourself in the mirror without any egos, without any judgment, without any of, 
you know, it's, you know, blaming any external forces and realizing that the world is exactly as it should be, partly because of you as well. You are part of the problem. You are also part of the solution, like Pete just, just said. We are all creating this reality every single day. Now, if anyone disagrees with me and everyone says that, oh, no, it's not that, well, I'll say to them, well, nearly 90% of what we all do is completely unnatural in the grand scheme of things. It really is unnatural. It is unnatural to be in front of a screen or communicating with another being through a device. That is not a natural way to, of communication. It is not. Me speaking on my computer or phone right now is completely unnatural. That is an overlay that I am contributing and collectively right, creating within this paradigm. I'm a co-creator of that negative paradigm by participating in it. But it's not a bad thing. It is just the time that we're in and the space that we're in. I accept that. I don't have to feel guilty or bad about it. I appreciate it. But the trick is knowing the balance, is walking that tightrope, you know, that balance. You showed the scales last week, Pete. Um, it's just knowing how to balance where you are and where you want to go, right? So for instance, myself, because, because I've made a decision or the decision to be made for me, I don't know, that I want to move on to a higher dimension, what we call in this place called Eden, right? I must rise above the frequency of the natural frequency of where this realm is right now. So where this realm is right now is at the level of veganism. That is the accept, food-wise, that is the acceptable benchmark of eating right now. If you're a vegan, you are exactly in a neutral mode of being with the ebb and flow of this realm. You're not above it, you're not below it. You are flowing with the stream of consciousness in this realm because that is where the consciousness is now flowing into, that realm of veganism. If you're now becoming plant-based, you're slightly above the curve but you're still within the realms of what's acceptable here. If you're becoming fruitarian, you are now coming out of the bounds of this reality. You're now slightly edging away from what is natural right now, not in the grand scheme of things, but what is natural right now in this space and time. It is not natural to be a fruitarian right now here. It's not a natural thing. Certainly if you're breatharian, well, you're way ahead. You're completely out of sync with what is natural right now in this season of consciousness of space and time. It is not the time and place to be a breatharian right now. And if you're not doing it properly, you will get sick and you will die. You will. You must know what you're doing. You must be in that right frequency, in that right whatever it is. You must be connected with that um, field of energy that is beyond this realm. So that goes with everything. That goes with your thoughts, that goes with your ideas, that goes with your spirituality. You know, there are things, you know, you know people talk about uh, all, all these deep spiritual concepts that people talk about. A lot of them, you know, urine therapy, for instance, we have to be very, very careful, very careful. Not that it's a bad thing, but what we have to ask ourselves is, is this the right time and place to be practicing such things? Is this the season for it? And if it's not the season for it, a lot of people will get sick and will die from doing it. Not because it's a bad thing, 
but simply because you're doing it out of season. In the same way, if you grow certain plants, if you grow summer plants in winter, they won't grow. Not because the plants are wrong, but because it's just not the season. It's that simple. So when you're in winter, you grow winter crops. You do winter things. You wear winter clothing. When you're in summer, you wear summer clothing. You, you do summer things. You live in summer shelters. You eat summer food. It's exactly the same thing. We're in the Iron Age, going to the Bronze Age. It's a bit confusing now because we're, we're in the shifting mode. That is why it's so confusing. So some are still holding on to the winter, to the iron. Ah, oh, my meat. Ah, oh, I can't let go. I've got to hold on to that. Still holding to those Iron Age uh, um, traits of nature, overlays. They're all overlays. Even in the Golden Age, it is still an overlay. It is still a matrix. Because as a spirit, you shouldn't even be feeding on prana itself. Ether. Because you are ether, you should just be in spirit mode. You don't feed off anything. The moment you're feeding off anything, you are in character. You're in an illusion. You're in a matrix of some sort. The moment you, you, you are actively doing things, you are already in an illusion because the natural state of being, when we're talking about the grand, in your natural God state, like you are everything and nothing. You're not doing anything. You're not thinking anything. You just are. The moment you start being and doing, you are already beginning the illusion. That is where the illusion starts. Because that requires choice. It requires duality. The moment you think you are making a choice and a choice has got a left or a right. That's, that's the whole point of, of making a decision or a choice. You have to choose one thing or another. Do I do this or do I do that? At that point, you are now already playing a game. You're already in an illusion. But not in a bad way, not in a negative way. It's all part of the experience. It's all part of the journey. So I agree with what you're saying, Pete, that, and Robin, when you guys were saying that, the matrix has been given a negative, uh, and it's been pasted in a negative way because in actual fact, there is no such thing as good or bad or negative. What is there is a good or bad or negative of that time and space. That is the asterisk there. Good and bad does not actually exist at all. It's all experience. The asterisk comes is, is it good and bad for that time and for that place? Because what's good in this age, a thousand years from now, in another age, might be bad. Most likely will be bad. And that's just how it works. It's just an ebb and flow of energy. So it's the path of least resistance that we all need to find. And this is where you hear that, that saying in all these martial arts, you need to find the path of least resistance. In other words, be in ebb and flow with your time and space. That is the secret to mastering anything. Be in ebb and flow with your time and place. Is this a good place to be doing this and a good time to be doing this or not? Does this fit in with the culture of consciousness that this realm is in, in this time? And that is that notion of know thyself. But even within that, going back to that chart that I was showing earlier on of the different schools, you then have to break it down even further and say, right, okay, that's the collective. But individually, 
where am I on that spectrum? Where do I fit in? Am I still at the experiencing stage? Kindergarten? And if you are there, embrace it. There's nothing wrong with that. Experience all you want to experience. Be what thy wilt. Do what thy wilt. Enjoy your experiences. Good and bad. Just do what you feel like doing. If that is where you are, be honest with yourself. That is your role. And someone might look at you and say, that's an evil thing to do, or that's a bad thing to do, or that's not good. No, no, that's not good for you because that is not where you are. But it's good for me because I need to experience this. Follow your heart. And ultimately, the collective will determine where we collectively are on the grand scheme. Are we at the kindergarten stage? Are we at the primary school stage? Are we at the high school stage? Or at the university stage? And right now, I think collectively, we are now just about coming out of the preschool stage, going into the primary school stage. Or if you like, the Iron Age, going into the Bronze Age. This is the transition we're now going into. This is why you're seeing this slight awakening. It's not a big awakening. It's a very slight awakening. Again, if you look at my model that I put, where I said, when we're in the preschool age, it's the age of experiencing. You just want to experience, experience everything, good and bad. Anything goes in that age. And you can certainly tell the age that we've been in, anything goes. People were doing all kinds of things along the spectrum of experience, from extreme evil of pedophilia to extreme kindness that we see in the world. Everything goes during that age. But now, as we begin to now go into a higher grade of consciousness, into primary school, there are a bit more rules now, right? We can't just do anything now. There are things that are acceptable and things that are unacceptable now. We're now maturing consciously. The things we could do before are not completely acceptable now. But there are still things we can still get away with, even if it is slightly. It'll get to a stage, those in Eden, like I put in my model, are moving out from the Bronze Age into the Silver Age. So, of course, if I went into the Garden of Eden with my Bronze Age mentality, I'll be out of place. I'll be seen as a demon. Martin, you're still eating plants. We don't do that here. We passed that. We just missed that age of eating plants. We are now transitioning away from eating plants. We're now becoming breatharian. We're in the silver age over here. We're about, collectively, we're coming out of primary school, we're going into high school. So your primary school stuff, you need to leave that behind, catch up. And if I can't catch up, I might still be able to live there, but I'll be seen as a negative. In the same way we look at meat eaters over here. This is how they might perceive me in Eden, being plant-based. I can't believe you still eat plants. You know what you're doing to them. And I'll try and justify it the same way meat eaters in this realm try and justify eating meat. Right. I will give the floor to someone else. Robin, Pete. Yeah, I've just been enjoying listening to you talk, although I did get knocked off a couple of times. My internet here is, um, you know, doing its Sunday thing, but I, I caught a, a bit of it, most of it, because I've 
went in on my phone, but I, I agree with you, Martin. I think that philosophically, you know, um, that is foundationally what we're dealing with, you know what I'm saying? Um, I find myself thinking, because I mean, I know a lot of times I have the similar thoughts about, you know, the, we do create, you know, our round, we've talked about that, you know, the, the, the power of our mind, our consciousness, you know, even this morning when I was being shown the whole primordial soup and just watching how that energetically, how all these fields work together. Um, you know, I find myself torn between this. And I think we talked about a little bit this, you know, earlier, and I'm still in that same place where um, I, I, I agree with everything that you're saying and, and I, I believe it. And a lot of times, you know, I'm operating out of that. But then also I have this thing where I'm dealing with, okay, but, um, you know, like we still are dealing with the idea of continuing to elevate our consciousness, you know? And, um, you know, making sure that like the, the whole reason for our group and us coming together is because we're resonating at this level of consciousness that says, yes, the field is what it is. We're creating within the field, but we are realizing that there's a need to move out of the field. And how is that done? <laughs> you know, or, um, you know, and so we resonate together in groups, right, to sort of move through the paradigm or the paradoxes of this paradigm um this that, that that's you know um we impart or we contribute to the creation of so it's kind of like a sticky place isn't it it's like this thing of either from your side if some from the standpoint of your higher consciousness you just kind of give it all over and, and say yeah well it's all a part of of my creation and um you know there's you know i could live this out and there's really no right or no wrongs and all of that, but then why do we have this desire and this yearning to try to figure out what we're dealing with and how to, and try to make what we're dealing with better for ourselves and those who feel similar to us. And the idea of just transmuting and moving through this, um, you know, I think about the matrix, I think about Neo, you know, like how many times at what point how many times could he have just given up in the process? But there was something innate that kept on saying, I got to keep on getting through this. I've, I've got to keep on figuring out these Mr. Smith. Something's not right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I guess that's kind of where I'm also um, constantly questioning as well. But I, I love how you broke everything down and I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and I would say that is because you're now realizing that you're in the wrong cl classroom. That is why you're feeling that need to do, but that's not what everyone's feeling the need to do. Most people you speak to guaranteed will say, why do you care? It doesn't matter. All these questions you're asking, this is just ridiculous. Just live your life or just be a good person. You're overthinking things. You're overcomplicating things because they're in ebb and flow with the collective flow of consciousness within this realm. But you, what's happening to those of us who are now getting ready to graduate, some of us are way, even way beyond. We're now in third grade. Uh, let's, I mean, if the collective realm is in kindergarten stage, some of us are almost in, universal, in university state uh, um, consciousness. So for us, we are so far removed from the collective, completely far removed from the collective, because you know, what we now desire and seek is beyond just coloring with crayons like what everyone else is doing. Everyone else is still in kindergarten. They're still playing with crayons. 
They're still exploring the world, playing with toy cars. They're still enjoying the trappings of the materials and not really asking questions. They're enjoying this rendering we all created with all its overlays. They're actually adding even more overlays to make the game even more immersible, if you like. Then there are some of us who are saying, uh-uh, we're doing this wrong. No, 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 we're not doing this wrong, is what we're saying. You are doing it wrong. What you need to change is you. You need to shift, not the world. The world will go exactly where it needs to go. If, if you are feeling things are wrong, it's you that needs to shift, not the world. The world is fine, trust me. Mother Nature, God is always in control of everything. Always, 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 always in control. We don't need to change nothing but ourselves. If you're feeling out of place, it's you that needs to find your place. Not the world that needs to find your place. You need to find your place and your path. So this group that we're in now, right? The reason why we're resonating with one another is because we're realizing we're out of place in this world. We don't belong here anymore. We're not resonating with a lot of what's going on in this world. Now, some are saying, I want to change. Some at the high school level, I want to change. I'm feeling like it's time. The God within me is telling me I need to start changing the overlays. I need to start changing the overlays for myself, but also collectively within this realm. I'm not ready to go anywhere. I need to stay here and I need to help change the overlays, to change the codes to a slightly different game. I wouldn't say better, a better game, because you're always ascending to a better game. So certain things have to go now. Certain childish things, preschool things must stop. And because I'm one of the children who's ahead of the curve, right, I must try and lead this by example. So I'm going to be the example that I wish to see by my actions, by my words, by my thoughts, by my intentions. And then there are some who'll say, well, actually, I'm even beyond that. I don't, I, I don't even feel like, you know, those of you who wants to carry on playing this game, I'm past that even. I want to get out of here. I want to move on to, to university or move on to another school altogether, completely. I want to go into another school. Not because I'm running away, not because I feel I'm better, but simply because I feel my cup is full within this realm. I've experienced and learned enough of what I need I want to experience something completely new, a new rendering, a new overlay. It will always be an overlay, like I said. And this is the feeling that I think you're feeling, Robin. Uh, this is the feeling of, I need to find a door. Because you've outgrown this realm. Not because the realm is bad. No, no, the realm is perfect. You have outgrown the realm. You are too old to be here, spiritually. You're seeing children everywhere. So it's not about forcing the children to become adults. You can't do that. It's about you finding your adult space. Where are all the other adults? Oh, they're in a place called Eden. Well, I need to go join the adults. I'm done playing childish games. That is what your soul is telling you. Yeah, thank you, Martin. I can resonate with that. <laughs> I feel like... Um... I'm like sitting at your feet today because honestly, I, I, I definitely, I resonate with that. And I, I feel that. And, you know, so 
you know, I mean, many, many years ago, you know, I was reading all the stuff about quantum physics and holograms. And, and I remember all that was like new and exciting, like, oh, wow, you know, and then you, you know, like you, you, you continue to move through it. And, and, and basically what you do, you work yourself back around into a circle, right? Because we were talking about that earlier, you know, this realm is everything and nothing, you know? Um, and in that same way, we can say um, we've created all of it. We've created none of it. I mean, you know, like when you look at the duality and the paradigms that exist here, and I think I'm at the, I'm sort of at the, I've kind of gone through the stages, like you said, where I'm kind of like, hmm, I can see, you know, philosophically I'm creating this, but I feel like I'm not creating any of it either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay, where's the door? I'm out of here. And I, and I do, I do think that a lot and not in a way of escapism or anything like that, but just just with a, I guess, a real strong heartfelt desire to really truly understand the nature of this reality. I mean, like if I had to say, you know, one question, like the, if I had to be able, if I got, you know, a few seconds with the, the source, you know, of all sources, I mean, that would be the, definitely the question I would have, you know, I'm not concerned with why am I here? You know, what's life all about? What, you know, those are questions I had many years ago, but now it's just like, I always have this burning desire to really want to get to the crux of that. So thank you so much. I really appreciate what you said because I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, I think, I think it's interesting when you, your color, your coloring analogy, because it made me think of, you know, imagine this classroom and each student is just given, you know, three crayons, a red, a blue, and a yellow. And, and those are the only colors that they're aware of. And so they, they continue to create with, with only those colors and some are very satisfied with it, but others crave more. And then, you know, the, the teacher introduces a few more colors. And next thing you know, you have a whole Crayola package and, and people are really enjoying all of this full color spectrum and, and, and amazed by the things that they're creating. But then there are others that realize that they didn't need that teacher to give them those crayons that they could start generating those colors by themselves with those first three crayons, just by mixing and blending. And then they realize that they're not only restricted to coloring on that piece of paper, that they can you know, use those, those you know, crayons to, to color on, on many different surfaces. And so I, I think that's similar to what we're experiencing right now. We were initially limited, you know, our viewpoints were constrained by that which we thought was possible based upon everything that we've been told as we grew up. And now we're slowly starting to expand our consciousness and realizing that there's so many possibilities and, and the possibilities that we're you know, perceiving keep increasing based upon the different nuggets of wisdom that we're downloading. And, and, and you know, we, every time we encounter a new one, it might, you know, I guess, offset some of the previous things that we thought were incredible. It's, 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 we constantly through that growing phase. And, and again, to the classroom that you pointed out, I think that that's the process that we're all going through. And, you know, one thing also came into mind is, was this idea that, you know, this game, because of, of our freedom to experience and, and, you know, some started to, as you pointed out earlier, started to, to test the game and do all of these reckless things and, and, and really change the vibration. And, and when they did that, it then created the possibilities for those to occur. 
And so and the more and more people witnessed that possibility, then they adopted those perspectives of that's what will happen if we do these things, which just reinforced it. And what we saw was that continual descent as we constantly reinforced these new possibilities with lower vibrational realities. And, and it gets to a point where this game can no longer maintain that kind of activity well, you know, or else it, it just, it falls apart. And so it requires a, a, a quote unquote reset, right? And so maybe that's what we're experiencing right now. The shifting of ages is a result of the, the, the system, the game itself, triggering certain individuals to start bringing more light into the game because we have to start heading back the, the other direction. We've, we've expanded. Now we're going to need to start contracting. And so I think that's what, what the very now moment is, is, is what's happening through these conversations, these, these weekly sessions that we have through all the various people throughout the world that are, are starting to investigate these various metaphysical topics we're all starting to bring light back into this game in various ways. Um, and it's happening at, at varying degrees and it's, it's really exciting. Yes, 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 yes. Couldn't agree anymore. Thank you guys. 100%. Yes, yes. And uh, I think it's good that we put these analogies with, uh, you know, with the real world, experiences because that is exactly what we're living through you know everything something that i came across when i you know I, I almost forgot about this i don't know if you guys are familiar with a guy called wes penra um he wrote some papers called the wes penra papers and uh you know and i and i read these papers in the early stages of my awakening i suppose and he talks about a lot of things very similar to this what i'm saying now um, uh, but obviously from a different perspective. And, uh, you know, it's just dawned on me that, uh, um, you know, everything, not dawned on me, but, but essentially what he was saying, which is what I agree with as it's coming back to me, is that everything, everything in reality is a construct, like we're saying, of our imagination collectively. So even all the things that we say are not good, they are based on a fundamental principle of truth. There's an original thought that it came from. So once again, when we use the analogies of the schools, for instance, the school system, you know, primary school, you start in nursery school, you go to primary school, you go to high school, you go to university. That principle or that, those stages of schooling are based on a fundamental original truth that can be mirrored to a lot of other things. Like we said, the seasons, that can be mirrored to um, human growth. You know, you start off as a baby, you become uh, a child, you become a teenager, you become an adult. Same thing. So you can see that there is, everything comes from an original thought. All the overlays that we, we talk about, all the negative things that we talk about in the matrix, all of them, no matter how far removed, even the concept of money, the concept, if you really looked at money, how money works, money is an exchange of currency, an exchange of energy. That concept came from our universal truth. You know, in the, in the grand universal truth, that concept of exchanging energy, one service for another, you know, comes, <laughs> you know, it was ripped off something. It's a ripoff. The idea of physical money that we use today, the idea of cars, 
comes from something, the idea of the house, everything comes from an original thought of something that was organic and original. And what we're trying to do here is reverse engineer that truth. To say like, look at this inorganic thing we're calling a school. Where did that concept come from? What was the original school of thought from this? How does that fit into the universal grand scheme of things? So these examples we're giving, like the one you just gave about the crayons and about the teacher, you know, introducing more things. Again, all these thoughts come from an original thought, right? All these principles come from an original thought. And all we're doing is we're reverse engineering it for the sake of teaching or for the sake of sharing a message or, or sharing an idea or sharing a truth, if you like, or a gnosis, whatever you want to call that. So, uh, I don't know where we go with this. I feel like we might have run our course, unless you guys wanna take it elsewhere. Well, I'll just leave it with one more thing. It, it, it basically, going back to you know, the Hindus with, with uh, Brahma and Vishnu and Shiva, I think Brahma is just an idea. When you have a new idea, you get excited. You've created an idea. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you look at, um, you know, Vishnu, the preserver, as, you know, thinking about that idea. Yeah, I really like that idea. I think that was, that was you know, really cool. That, that's something we should do. That, that's, the, that's the Vishnu. And then Shiva is, you don't like it anymore. That, you can throw that away. I don't, want, I don't want to do that anymore. And again, so it all comes back to mind. I think this, these, all of these different truths were, were embedded within story, the storage of energy, and encoded in, in, in that way so that they would pass down through the generations of devolution. Mm -hmm. and, and it's up to us right now that are starting to wake up to, to start pulling apart these various myths and legends and stories to start pulling the truths out of it. And it keeps coming back to the same idea that all is mind. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It is, it is. And it's, and it's, it's a really, really beautiful game. And I like what you did with Brahma, Vishnu, because that's exactly what it is. Red shift, blue shift, and the neutral zone or the dipolarity. It's exactly the same thing. Uh, you're absolutely right. Creation, experience, and, uh, well, discarding that creation or that experience in order for you to have a new one. Uh, that is the whole thing of being born again, I suppose. You know, you're, you're only born again from one experience out into a new experience. You know, that's, that's all being born again is. You're not actually particularly um, creating anything. Uh, what's the word? It's not something completely new. You're just rebirthing yourself into a new experience or a new thought or a new realm of creation. Because everything just is and always will be. Always, always, always. But what I would say, if anyone can go away with anything from this topic is, once again, you just have to know thyself. Know thyself. Know where you are. And if you pull up, can you pull that picture up again, Pete, uh, the rendering um, of the different schools? Please. Um, hopefully this visual can, can help people sort of um, you know, again, this is a work in progress. I'm not saying this is exactly how it is. Once again, I'm not trying to preach that, you know, this is it, this is the answer. But hopefully it can give people a visual of the
the concept of how it works. It's the concept and not the details. Let's not get bogged down with the semantics, the details. It's the concept of how all of this works, how existence works. And once you know your lane and you know your place and you know your season, combined with the collective season, that is when you will know your direction and what you're meant to be doing and why you're meant to be doing it. You know? So if you're feeling like you are, um, you know, at that stage, again, it's about being honest, looking yourself in the mirror. And this is the hardest bit of all of this is being able to look at yourself in the mirror because ultimately we all want to be at the end stage. We all want to be in university, right? No one wants to be in preschool. No one wants to admit that I'm a negative. No one wants to admit that I'm a neutral. Everyone wants to say, I'm a positive, I'm at university stage, I'm ready to move on, I know it, I figured it out. Everyone wants to be there. But the truth of the reality is, you've just got to really, really be, the maturity comes from being honest. That is where the maturity comes. You know, where am I on the spectrum of things, realistically? And also, accepting it and being okay with it. And saying, Do you know what? You're all talking about moving on to Eden, that is not my place. Not that I'm going to say it doesn't, exist or it's not there that is not where i am that is not my journey you know i'm still at a stage where i need to figure things out or i need to um, um, whatever you need to do you you know by analyzing your situation and and equally i'm not naive you know we talk about going to this place called eden i'm not naive about going to eden i don't expect to get there if I get there in this lifetime or, or in, in, a, in, a, in a nearby lifetime, I'm not expecting to get there and it's all going to be kumbaya and heaven. Oh, no, yes, I can rest now. I'm in Eden. No, I'm expecting to go there and be a child. It's going to be tough. I'm not expecting to go there and it's going to be all kumbaya and singing and happy. No, 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 no. It's actually easier for me to remain in this realm over many incarnations and be a boss, for lack of a better term. Because once you know, you cannot unknow. And I, I feel like I know. I can't unknow what I know. Now, if I made the decision to repeat this grade or this school, I think I'd be going against my inner knowing and I'd become a bully at some stage. I'd get frustrated and I'd start bullying people. I'll start trying to get people to over or to understand me. I'll be overstanding people because I'm, I'm too old for the school. You're in your 20s, man. What are you still doing in high school? Right? You become a bully. A narcissist, a negative person, a negative university graduate. That's what happens. So I'm not naive. I know if I'm to move on to this place called Eden, I'll be moving on to there. And in that place, I'll be regarded as a preschooler, as a child. I know I'll be doing childish things. I know I'll be behaving in a childish way. I know my thoughts will be childish. The beings that live there will look at me and think, oh, bless him, look at him. Really. I know nothing. I know that. I'm prepared for that. I'm prepared to begin my journey and start learning something fresh as a preschooler in a new place and begin from the bottom and work my way back up again. So I'm not naive about that. I'm honest with myself. I know it's going to be tough for me to, to, uh, to stop eating plants. I'm not ready to stop eating. I'm not ready. I enjoy eating. I enjoy it. And not just plants. I enjoy eating vegan food in general. I mean, the thought of not eating potatoes is like heart-wrenching for me. I love eating potatoes. I love eating things that I know I shouldn't be eating for where I want to be going. 
that's the asterisk for where I want to be going. For a year, it's perfectly fine. I'm way ahead of the curve. I can do that all day, every day, because this is the time and place for this realm. But for where I want to go, I'm going to have to let go of those things. I'm going to have to mature out of them um, quite quickly because everyone else there has moved away from that. So it's going to be very tough. It's going to be a very, very, very tough transition for me if I'm to ascend to this place we're talking about. And maybe I'm not ready. Maybe the universe will say, well, Martin, you've not done it. You're not quite ready. You need one more go here. You've still got a little bit more to learn. It's not my choice to make, ultimately. Well, it is my choice, but I don't, I'm not yet completely mature to, to know exactly, um, to navigate my way completely. I'm not yet quite there. And I know that. I'm still at the questioning stage myself. I'm honest with myself. I'm not delusional and think that I figured it out. I'm definitely going to Eden and I've got everything sorted out and we're shifting. No, it is a spell I'm casting because I would like to. I feel like I'm resonating that I want to move on. But it not, might not be my time and I'm happy with that and I accept that. Go with an ebb and flow of where I'm at and where the collective is at as well. But I think once you see this, everything from this perspective, at least from my, from my, you know, from my point of view, I'm more at peace now than I've ever been because I feel like there's no pressure for me to do anything. There's no pressure for me to resist. There's no pressure for me to, to push or pull. I'm just going with my inner knowing, first of all. I know my place, right? I understand the boundaries, as far as I'm concerned, of the collective, but also the boundaries of my journey. There are certain things I can no longer go back to ever, like eating meat. I can, that I'll never, ever do again. I'll never do. I'm, I've, I've grown away from that completely, right? But equally on the spectrum, I'm not yet ready to be breatharian, but I know that is where I need to be. But I'm not going to be, you know, foolish to try and do that now because it will create chaos within my life. I know my place. Know thyself. And it's a very difficult place to be because innately, especially once you're on the spiritual journey, innately your God self kicks in, right? Your alter ego <laughs> kicks in. And what you want to do, you find this with a lot of spiritual people, you want to override your natural ebb and flow. And this is where people are going crazy. All of a sudden they say, oh, everyone, stop eating plants. We all need to be breatharian. They start trying to become breatharians. And what happens, they end up going to eat meat. They completely fall off because they were not in ebb and flow with the natural order of things within this realm and this time and this space, and particularly with their journey. This is why you get people who are saying, oh, I was plant-based, I was vegan for 10 years. It's a bad idea, I got sick. I'm eating meat now. Eat raw meat. This is why. They were running before they could walk. They were going ahead of the ebb and flow of the natural order of things. This is what creates psychosis with people. They're either going too far ahead or remaining too far behind. 
in the natural order of things of that space and of that time. So I have no intention of disconnecting and becoming a hermit and living in a cave and uh, you know, meditating all day and becoming breatharian and not eating and disconnecting from all things of the matrix. I have no intention of doing that because that will drive me crazy. It's, it's going against my inner knowing, my inner path, but especially the collective path. This is a collective journey. So I must find an in-between where I'm comfortable. But also that is in flow with the collective. Like Pete was saying earlier on, my torch mustn't be too far ahead, right? If I'm holding a torch, if the collective can't see the torch, you're not in ebb and flow with the natural order of things of that space and time. People can't see a torch, you're no longer in, in rhythm with that season. Even if you're doing it with the right intentions, even if you're doing it because it is right, it might actually be a wrong for that reason because it's not in sync with the natural order. Anyway, I will leave it at that. It all, and, sound, uh, all sounds good to me. I, I, you know, I think that's beautiful. Everything you said and um, couldn't agree with you more. And uh, I think it all came full circle, really, from where we started in a really nice way. So thanks for that, Martin. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. I think we'll call it uh, a day or a night. Um, I've really enjoyed today's chat. We kind of ended up sort of drifting away from our original intended path of conversation. But as always, the conversation went where it needed to go, I suppose. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how this matures this line of thought, uh, this line of toth, <laughs> and seeing how individually and collectively we start to find our lanes, we start to find our soul groups, we start to find our paths, but most importantly, we start to proactively put ourselves in the right spaces to mature that path. You know, it's definitely now the time for action. Once, once you know yourself and you know where you are, you then obviously have to take the virtuous action or the virtual action of your paradigm accordingly, right? So again, it's not about everyone going off grid like I've done. If it's not your path, your path might be, you are exactly where you need to be. Wherever you are right now, you are exactly where you need to be if you're happy with where you are. If you're not happy, you need to move. It's that simple. If you're not happy, change. Not feeling happy means you're not vibrating at your natural frequency of where you should be. Physically, mentally, spiritually. Change. If you're living in the middle of London and you're listening to this or New York or wherever in a high-rise building and you're listening to this and you're in a happy space, you are exactly where you need to be. Stay there. Stay there. The universe has put you there for a reason. And that reason will manifest itself when the time comes, collectively and individually. But if you were in that high rise and you're thinking, I want to be out in nature, 
and you stay in that place, you are going to be in a living hell and it's going to get worse and worse and worse for you. You need to take action and move. Find where you need to be. And when you are there, you'll be happy. Wherever that is. There's no right or wrong place to be. There's a right and wrong place for you to be. For you, for your journey. Anyway, guys, thank you so much. I love you all. And uh, look forward to next week's chat. Really appreciate you guys. And I feel so much at home when I'm in your company. <laughs> and I'm so grateful to have you in my life. So, yeah. Same here, Martin. Thanks again for all you do. Pete, thanks for all you're doing with the, with the work with your, um, your charts and, and what you bring to the conversation. I, I feel like I'm in good company with you all and everybody who's been in the, the green room and in the chat. You guys are just all awesome and just feel so, it feels good to be a part of this um, community. And like you, as you were talking, Martin, I've just, just been just enjoying the sound of your voice and the things you were saying and just felt so peaceful and calming so i just give thanks again to this group and i look forward to next week as well <laughs> take care guys awesome. yeah i echo everything was just shared absolutely you know I, I absolutely appreciate you know this every week i always look forward to it and you know everybody else that's in the green room like robin said it's this is such a an incredible opportunity and I, you know i look forward to it every week like i said so thank you fantastic and everyone listening, Pete is going to be starting up um, um, his own channel. We were going to do like a midweek Wednesday thing. But to be honest, I think it's actually better if Pete sort of um, not branched out. But if you have your own dedicated channel, because I think your line of work is very specific. And um, a lot of people um, are really, really crying out for your, for your perspective, particularly with the visuals. Um, so I think that is a very wise move. So uh, Pete's channel hopefully will be launching soon. Um, those of you who are listening in, hopefully you can segue and tune into Pete and support him and, uh, and just uh, yeah, help him establish a foundation for what he needs to share as well. So just put that out there. Yeah, thank you so much for that, Martin. Bye. Yeah, love you guys. Goodbye.